0: Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach, and me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach.
1: We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality.
0: We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together... Spiral Higher. Hello, and welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I'm one of your co hosts, Sam, and I'm here with Gina and a very special guest today. He is one of my favorite all-time, all-time favorite creators on Instagram, TikTok, and I love his podcast, Universe The Game. He's also the author of The 10 Secrets of Awakening. Today we have Mr. Nick Zai. Welcome to the Spiraling Higher Pod. Let's go. (laughs) We are so ready to dive in. You are, Nick, as you know, I told you this when we first chatted, but you were someone that I was following and learning and integrating lessons from for almost... A year before we connected, I just remember seeing those nature walks of you where you would just drop bombs and I'd Shit. be like, This, yes, damn. All of your nature videos were so fire. And I was like, This guy just goes on hikes and knows things. Like, <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. facts, <laughs> literal facts. That was facts. my life.
2: I'm in the desert now, so it's like I could do it again, but it'd be just desert. Maybe it'd be good Yeah. To- but I miss those videos. You're right.
0: Yeah, well tell us a little bit about the past couple years for you because I know that when we first got to know each other you were telling me about how you were originally living I think you were you were living in Tennessee which by the way is where I'm from which was what one of the first things that had connected us but you were like washing cars at one point you know how right. did you go from that to being this total spiritual mind master of the universe, because I've been reading 10 Secrets of Awakening, your book, and I swear every other page, I just highlight, circle, star, bracket, annotate. And how does someone like you come to know all of this? What happened?
2: Well, you know, I uh, let's take it in a different space. OK, I um, I remember Watching Marvel, I love mar- Marvel movies. Let's just start off there. Mm, okay. and I remember Cap used to say, "I'm just a guy from Brooklyn." That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm just a guy who just decided, "Hey, this is kind of cool. I really enjoy like this perspective. Has helped me in life." Mm. And so then I just started talking about it. And I I've done so many things. I started 2015 my first YouTube channel, bodybuilding and fitness. And then I went and live stream video games for a while and had some success in that area. And mm. then I went. And I started making videos and doing stuff. I mean, I was living it started out in Michigan, and I had to leave because it ended up being a sketchy situation. And uh, I met Jesse, my girlfriend. we've been together for two years now. and beautiful we started living out of a rooftop tent for nine months. I'll just keep it very short. Oh, then we, yeah. then we, we traveled the U.S., lived nomadically, just us in the tent in the Mazda. It was not a truck or a Jeep. It was a <laughs> Mazda CX-5. And um, the one-wheel drive, by the way, we figured that out early on because we got stuck a couple times in Sedona. I love Sedona, but don't go off-roading in a CX-5. So <laughs> In a Mazda. Right. So basically, from there, we ran out of money. Just decided, you know, we're gonna ground ourselves. Was just let's just take care of business. And so then my brother lived in Tennessee. He had a detailing business. And I said, I'm gonna do what I need to do. I know I'm meant to do this eventually. Uh, I don't care how long it takes. And I'm just gonna do, pay the bills, make money online, and eventually get to the point where, you know, I'm supported online to do that. And then release the book. People ate the book up. People loved the book. And then the book was able to allow me to kind of travel a bit and to have my own place and to do these things. And again, I'm just, I'm not saying anything uh, to me. I'm just like, I don't really know shit. I just want to preface this podcast. (laughs) That's just how I live my life in uncertainty. (laughs) I just like, that's me because I've realized the more I've learned about what could be, the less I actually know for sure Mm. that it is a certain way. So that's something I just like to say at the beginning for your, for you guys, you know, I'm like just exploring what could be and the evidence of things and trying to bring some relaxation and maybe some, okay, let's just take a step back, okay? (laughs) A little bit, instead of like being so serious about it, and that can go for the spiritual community, that can go for business, mindset, all the people. So I don't even really consider myself spiritual. I just consider myself just a dude who's just contemplating the nature of reality.
0: Mm. You, know? you know what's so funny? I think the most spiritual people are the ones who say that they're not spiritual. So true.
2: <laughs> Fair
3: you enough. Know?
0: If you're saying you're spiritual, you're still, you're still in the ego, right? And so um, I love this playfulness that you bring to it and that, yeah, it's so true. The more that you know, you're the less sure you are that things, like you said, are a certain way. Mm. Um, But I do want to ask you about this, because this is something that you've sort of posited in a lot of your content. I mean, your podcast name sort of is based on it, Universe The Game, right? And I think that one of the perspectives that you hold now, and maybe it's changed, I don't know, since we last chatted, but one of the strongest perspectives that you hold is that this universe is Mm. a simulation. We in a game. This body is an avatar, right? And so for people who, I think there's a lot of people who've heard that Mm -hmm. but don't really know what people mean by that. They're like, am I actually in a computer? I don't think that's what people are saying, right? But people don't understand. Some people say that. Some people say that. and, And it could be. You know what? It could be. That's the thing. This conversation is just about like what could be and not necessarily what is because we don't know. Mm. Right. But I think that, like I said, one of your perspectives is that this is a game. We are all here playing the game of, I think you said in your your book, I love how you said that we're all playing the game of unworthiness and unlovability. Like that's not real though, Mm. right? We're sort of Mm -hmm. under this guise that that's real and we're playing this game to get out of it when the game is really just realizing that that's not even true, right? But for someone who is mm, maybe like new to this spiritual space and some of these perspectives, like what would you, how would you explain to the lay person, right? That the universe is a game.
2: So I think a good place to start would just to ask someone who's wondering about this, have you heard Elon Musk say it? That we're in a simulation. Mm. Have you heard uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, these bigger figures in the the larger community, global community, they say these things. And what does simulation mean? Because when I say simulation, and I say game, they are kind of interchangeable, but the way that the general public understands simulation is different from the way that I'm saying it's a simulation. Mm -hmm. Because when people say like, if you look, take a look back. It actually started with Nick Bostrom, who was a, I think he was a physicist. Or he was a he was a philosopher as well that basically came up with this concept. I think it was in the early 2000s. I could be scuffing that, but he basically said, "Hey, I think we're in a simulation." And then that got popularized. And a lot of what his material is, from my understanding, is actually based on AI simulations mm. versus um, non AI simulations because. The the fundamental difference between when I say it's a game versus other people like Elon Musk, they are taking the more perspective of either it's an AI-generated simulation, which it could be, or we are AIs in ourselves. Now, Mm -hmm. when I take a look at that perspective, I'm more of, hey, I've seen all this evidence of these spiritual traditions and ancient traditions of the East. And I see this concept of a soul floating around and I've studied many hypno type people, Dolores Cannon, Dr. Michael Newton. I've studied Hinduism, Buddhism, and I've like kind of brought all these together. And I'm like, there, I have just this sense of it's more likely than not that there is a soul. So then the question yeah. becomes, is the soul something that is generated from within the universe or without the universe? And if it's generated within the universe, does that mean that it is an AI in itself? And so my perspective is actually that it's not. And that's where my fundamental state and kind of sentence of the universe being a game, and like you said, it's my podcast name, is it's more, instead of us being the type of, at least I can say this from my own awareness, because I don't know for everyone. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I contemplate on my podcast, are there NPCs a lot? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when we think about that, it's like, could other people be NPCs and be generated from within the universe and be AI? Yes, that is possible. But from my fundamental, fundamental awareness, and this is kind of funny, because if you look at shows like Westworld, of course the AI doesn't want to think they're an AI. They want to think they're not. Yeah. AI. So that's another thing. You're starting to, oh God, existential crisis. But... um Again, from my research from the Eastern traditions combined with hypnoregression and NDEs, it seems as though the soul is actually something that can't be created in the same way that an AI can be created, mm. and and that's my uh, that's my feeling. That's something that I felt into subjectively as well. And so the <clears> perspective <throat> that I'm more going for, and hopefully that wasn't too complex, but the perspective is more along the lines of we are, I guess you could say, just because it's an e- e- easy term to understand, we are organic souls. In a game that is artificial, kind of like if I'm playing a video game in this in this reality, I'm not from the video game. I'm just kind of in it and playing it
3: mm-hmm. as a character. Mm-hmm.
2: And so what I'm doing is taking like the hermetic principles, the as above, so below principle, and I'm bringing that back a little bit and saying, hey, maybe as we play video games in our reality, we are playing a video game as this character.
0: I'm sure you've done it before, but have you ever played VR? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. So I think any person who's put on a set of VR goggles and then they put the the things in their hands, right? when you look at your arms or hands or legs in the game, you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> right? right. There, right? It's kind of like, whoa, I, I can do things in here like with my hands. And then like in, in a really elaborate uh, VR video game, you can, you know, grab things and pick up boxes and all this stuff. And um, when I had the psychedelic experience, I remember like I was, I had my eyes closed for quite a long time and then when I opened them, it literally felt exactly like that. Mm. Like I had had these goggles on and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, like I just looked at my hands and then I like stood up and I was like, oh my God, I can like, you." and it it seemed so clear to me in that moment that I was separate from the body. Mm. Like that there, were, there was some, that that I was almost like the animating energy mm. behind the body or within the body, but but the body was being animated through me. And that was so cool to me. And that's just like an awareness that slips out of my mm, consciousness often. Mm. I think in daily life, I think a lot of us forget, you know, we forget that we're in here in this body. We think we're just like floating heads. I think a lot of us live almost like a short distance, even from our own body. We don't even think of ourselves as being in here. We just, we're just kind of like, I don't know. We think of ourselves as literal floating heads, but that was crazy. Like having this realization that I animate this body. And it, I don't know, it seems so obvious in that moment. And in many moments after that, there's something that exists beyond this. And then, you know, going back to how you said you, you love us to study the work of um, Dolores Cannon. Um, I actually did a level three hip, uh, um, quantum healing hypnosis therapy session with someone who had been trained directly by Dolores Cannon. And um, she lives here about 45 minutes away. And her wait list, Gina, you're on the wait list now, right? Yeah.
1: Um. I think it was 18 months.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a Woo! super long yeah. wait list because she's one of the only, well, I don't know how many level three practitioners there are, but either way, they're probably sparsely spread out around the world. And this particular person lives close to us. So we've both been on the wait list. Um, I was on the wait list for over a year. And then I did my session back in March. And oh my gosh, like that session for me just confirmed that I really do not know anything. Like anything that my mind tells me is just so limited mm-hmm. and just cannot comprehend the scope of all that is.
2: You know, Dolores Cannon has always been a wild card for me. I, I really... I'm fascinated by her work, but I also know there's a level of like, I've had other people that have told me that they've done Dolores Cannon type stuff and it's they were surprised at how ineffective it was. Mm. And they felt, yeah. they felt more along the lines of they, they were trying to make things up and maybe they were less susceptible mm. to being hypnotized. So maybe that is possible. it. Yeah. So I, I, I think Dolores Cannon is kind of a, a step in for a lot of people, to many of these topics. And I think a lot of people do can't, they can get lost in saying that that is the ultimate truth as soon as they experience that. And I am one who just knows and has been around a lot of people who have talked about these things. And I'm just like, it could be.
3: Mm.
2: And I'm curious as to what that portal could be. I mean, was it like that's the thing you load into? to get into the next part. I have no
0: idea. And I mean, it's like what you said too earlier about how like, oh, am I just making this stuff up? Because I remember coming back to consciousness and being like, did I make that up? And and that's what I asked the practitioner. And she just asked me, why would you make that up? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. Like... And Mm -hmm. she was like, do you think you would have been able to make that up? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I I just remember leaving and feeling so confused. And I was like, was that a waste of money? Like, did I just (laughs) tap into… You know, it's like, is it a waste of money? Did I tap into secrets of the universe? Like, does it even matter? And, you know, sometimes I sometimes like sometimes I feel like by going this deep, I wonder if it's even helpful because sometimes I'm seeking, I'm trying to know more. And so I'm wondering for you, you know, after all of this seeking that you've done and so so many insights that have come through, like in what ways do you feel like it's helped or maybe even hurt your lived human experience?
2: So I just want to say first off, I think there's a difference between passenger experiences and driver experiences. I would say Ooh. the driver experience is kind of like Dolores Cannon and the passenger experience is kind of like the psychedelic experience because it's not something that you can make up because it's something that you're directly experiencing and you're not controlling that. I mean, anyone who's done those type of things knows that, hey, what's going on here? I don't really have any control. I've kind of just got to sit back for the ride, whatever one yeah. that might be. Basically, plants. I'm talking about specifically plants. Um, I'm always a proponent of things that are natural. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of how I feel about that arena as well. So I think it's different when you have people that might go into the plant arena and say these things versus someone who goes into the uh, hypno-regression. I've seen that. And so I just wanted to say that just as kind of like a conclusion to that thought. But you asked the question, what was some things that, or how does it affect my daily life after all of the research, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Yeah, because sometimes I feel like, sometimes you go too deep where I honestly, I've had a lot of existential moments this year where I've wondered, is this even helping? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of spiritual tools mm-hmm. and insights that have come through that have definitely helped me, obviously, in my life. But then sometimes going too deep, I swear, it's like, okay, maybe I just need to lighten up and just, mm. just, oh go, my God. You That's know, my like, life. I know. That's my life so like right how now. do we deal yeah. with this, right? Because I think a lot of people who listen yeah. to your podcast are like probably like freaking out. You know, they're listening to Robert Grant and they're like, oh my God, the <laughs> Vitruvian man, the the math. Oh my God, is this a simulation? You know, the degree of the Vitruvian man matching the pyramid angle. Holy crap. It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and the more you think about it, sometimes it's it's almost a bit like it it just overwhelms me. And I'm like, I don't know. Like this is too much. Like I think I just need to go have a beer. Like <laughs> You
2: know, <laughs> hey, I feel that, yeah. I mean, this last year has been just an exploration of you know the the many guests that have had on the podcast, and so I have a lot of thoughts on that. And le- to take it in one direction to start, I had a guest on recently. Um, the podcast, you know, wasn't incredibly popular, but it was a really hard hitting one for me, and I think that's what you might have experienced sometimes too. It's mm. like sometimes the ones that don't have the most uh glitter are the ones that really are beneficial. Mm -hmm. So I had on this guy named Flynn, and we actually started off the conversation with a really interesting thought. And it's something that I've been thinking about more is, what is the value or utility that a certain perception gives you? Mm
3: -hmm. And if it's
2: it's something that is beneficial to you in terms of when we think about benefit, it's like benefit for what? Because then it can be benefit to manipulate people. It can be Mm. this, that. When I say benefit and and value, I'm talking about it gives you the perspective of, hey, this is more harmonious with others. This is Mm -hmm. giving me more harmony within myself. I think harmony is a really good word that I've really started to use more because it's like just describing a feeling of connectedness. Mm-hmm. So when I take a look at certain ways of thinking, I'm thinking, how does this help me to connect to others, maybe to emphasize, empathize
1: yeah.
2: or emphasize more with the beliefs of others? So I'm not in an echo chamber because that's not what I wanted my podcast to be. I didn't want it to be, hey, universe is a game. Everybody come tell me it's a game. That way everybody right. thinks it's right. game. So I've been thinking about that a lot. And I just had a, another guest on that's a little bit different. So I think what I'm not trying to do is just have an echo chamber of my own beliefs, but I'm also not trying to be so ingrained in my beliefs that I can't change when I hear mm-hmm. evidence that I feel like is convincing. Mm-hmm. And so I think the value, let's just talk about the value of universe, the game in my life. It When I think of the concept of the universe being a game, and I've talked about this with other guests too, because some people think the opposite of me. And I think that's important. People think that the, when you think the universe is a game. Oh, it's scary oh, it's not good. Oh, that the, there's uh, this mm. level of pressure that they feel. And for me, it's it's actually a quite relaxing feeling to think, okay, well, this is just, a, if I'm in a game, that means a game's going to end at some point. And that means that we might experience what the sensation of pain. But in the end, I think there might be some sort of coordination of and as to why things are happening. So if I can just take the perspective, hey, it's a game, then that means that, We can relax a little bit because Mm -hmm, there's probably some sort of organizing principle. Just like you don't play a video game that's filled with chaos. Mm -hmm. Some people do, but there's some level of order that allows you to have a coherent story. Mm -hmm. Most games that we love are games, I feel like, that have a coherent story. Um, Some good examples of that was Game of the Year, I think it was this year, Elden Ring. It's a game Mm -hmm. just basically based on your single player playing a story all the way through. Skyrim, massively popular. World of Warcraft, massively popular as well. And why are these games popular? You know, there's the Battle Royale games that are popular too. But I think this style of game is popular because we love stories. I think there's something... Uh, that we all know within that there might even be a story that we are actually participating in that is our own story. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've also incorporated a lot of Joseph Campbell's work with The Hero's Journey and The The Hero of a Thousand Faces, his books. Those have really impacted me as well to see, even if it is a Hero's Journey, that doesn't mean that I have to take the perspective of everything is serious.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Sam and mm-hmm. I have definitely been introducing a lot more lightness into our life and not taking things so seriously. We talked a lot about how we think about the universe looking down on us and kind of giggling when we're struggling so hard and thinking, "Oh, look at them. Look at them thinking their life is falling apart or look at them thinking that, you know, they don't know anything or that they do know everything." And I think that has helped us both to just approach life with a little bit more lightness. I love the concept of thinking of it as a game because when you play play a game you don't really care when you die you're like oh I'll just try again right you don't you're not yep. it's not all or nothing and I find that when you do get like that in a video game then you're not having fun anymore which is the exact opposite of the point of the game
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah that's facts and I think <laughs> yeah. past life regression can be helpful past life contemplation can be helpful for that concept mm. And sometimes it can be hurtful because some people will see when you have one life, they'll try harder. Some people will say when you have many lives, you'll try less in this life. Right. So it's interesting to think about the dichotomy of this perspective. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you on that. I find it more of a if it's temporary, I'm going to do the best that I can. But I also understand that, hey, there's a lot I can't control in terms of the uh, I can control my intention in, in my action, but the rest and how that organizes. I'm not responsible for that. Yeah. So I think that's another concept that I've really started to embrace is the delegation of authority mm. in the universe. And I'm not saying that the authority has to be within a God that is uh, personified. I think that the universe is actually smart enough to have a an intelligent enough to have a field that organizes things Now, there can be a multifaceted way of looking at this. A lot of people will say there's a higher self that is kind of this personified version of you that's outside the game. Mm -hmm. That could exist. And I do think there's also, when we think about the universe being a game, I actually have found, the more I study this concept of manifestation and the evidence of it and how that works, I actually find that very similar to the way that an algorithm works on social media. So if, if we think of manifestation as an algorithm that actually is pretty helpful because you realize that, yeah, if you just keep looking at the same things, you're going to get the same thing back. But if you yeah. consciously change your intention and then you consistently follow through with that, the algorithm is eventually going to change and there's a uh, there's a buffer of time on that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really helpful to kind of see that maybe there's a feedback ne- mechanism of the algorithm that it determines a lot of what your life is. But also in my book, I argue that it's not just that that determines it, it's also maybe predetermined experiences that you may have chose before you came here. Mm. And I'm not saying that it is absolutely the case. I'm saying that I don't think there's one system that controls everything I think there's many systems at play that help us to experience an experience that I think can be enjoyable.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's actually a section in your book where you talk about, you're talking about the law of attraction. And, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of fear that people have, like when it comes to, Like, oh, like whatever energy they're holding and if they're going to attract a bad experience. And then sometimes something quote unquote negative or something that is being perceived as negative will happen. And these people will assume that, oh, like that's because of me, like I attracted that. And then you went on to say like, that's not necessarily true. That just might be an experience that you need for your expansion or whatever. And so I'm kind of curious to know your perspective on whether you think things are random Mm. or not. I've mm-hmm. I've talked to a few other people about this. There's some people who think like nothing is random and then people who are like yeah, like some things are just random. Mm. Like so what do you think about randomness? Like are these experiences sometimes that we're seeing with our own physical eyes translating are are these random? Like, you know, what's what could be the pattern behind some of these things and like, you know, if if we are responsible for attracting some experiences but not others, right? What's the difference What's the difference? Differentiation between those.
2: When you say random, what is the definition of that by you? Just so Ugh, I can understand what you
0: mean question. specifically. I guess anything random though is just something you don't know what the pattern is for. Like there's no, no there, there's no, there's no pattern. Right. There's no pattern. There's or it's no not pattern. planned. It's just okay. There's not. There's nothing that can point
1: to, like a specific reason for it happening.
2: I think of that it, I'm not of the perspective, okay. Robert Grant, my favorite podcast, he mm-hmm. and I, man I really respect, he says yeah. that there is nothing random. Nothing yeah, random.
0: he did Go say on? that.
2: And so, my perspective, if you watch the podcast, I didn't really get to say, <laughs> <every> <laughs> my, I love Robert Grant, but I didn't get to say very many of my perspectives in that one. But uh, I see it as there actually can be a level of randomness, but it's very minimal. Like, for example, um, the randomness could be, you decide you want to go somewhere and the route you take to go there isn't going to have a determining factor in any sense of yes. what happens. So if you go left, the left route or the right route on Google maps and then random things happen, but it's like, you might get there a minute later. I think that like that thing is, you could say random things might happen upon that, mm. that don't have a determining effect on your entire life Mm. or on Mm. major aspects. Um, I think that leaving room for just kind of things to come in and kind of test us in a sense or kind of just like throw us in this space of what's going to happen. I think that could definitely be a possibility. Mm. So I'm not saying that there's no Mm. randomness, but there could be a, a level in which, hey, it's not something that determines major outcomes in our life. Mm. But I do think that most things, because I'm not one for absolutes. I remember watching Star Wars and they said, only Sith deal in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I'm like, okay, I don't want to be absolute because I get the concept of dealing in absolutes. So maybe there's a level of randomness, but I think it's pretty low. I would mm. say most things have okay. some sort of determining factor as to why it's happening based on past experiences and I think a lot of that comes from my background in studying eastern traditions because mm-hmm. of karma and you know there's reasons for mostly everything that happens so that's kind of if you're wondering why I came to that the study of karma really led me to that yeah. conclusion.
1: Yeah, I don't Actually I'd love for you to share a little bit yeah, more about um, karma. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to add to that and saying my belief is definitely that there's nothing random. I don't I don't think so, but I do agree with you Nick that maybe there are some little things that happen that that don't make an impact on the outcome or the destination and those are the things that maybe can be random. But I do think that you know, we think about the things that we've experienced in our life and you can kind of go back and retrace those steps and there has been so many circumstances in my life that I can see how the universe kept bringing me back to the same thing because I wasn't getting it the first 10 times, but it keeps on rerouting. Okay. She didn't get it. Let's bring her back over here. Let's try this experience. So I do believe that there is, you know, bigger power at play that is guiding us to maybe where we need need to go. And there might be some few random things on the way that we have agency over and maybe we don't make the quote unquote right decision. But I do think that every time it'll just bring us back to where we need to end up getting to. That's what I yeah, think.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm with you ninety nine percent yeah, I think I think there's not like you know what I'm saying, like to for me, it's because then you can make the argument, is it random, like if you go to a restaurant and the lady drops your drink, is that random?
1: see, I don't see, I don't think you know? so i th- that kind of stuff, I really don't I don't know, I don't know, I feel like everything is maybe that wasn't for you, maybe that was for her, and you were just a witness to that, you know, so I just feel like there's so many layers, there's so many threads, there's so many dots being connected that
2: it just Fair feels enough.
1: divinely orchestrated.
2: I'm like that on most things on 99%.
1: Right.
0: <laughs>
2: because it's like mm. 1%. Could we be not be in a game? Yeah, 1%. Right. That's my perspective.
0: I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I really like how we talked about like the the utility of a certain perspective mm. and like how that's beneficial because, you know, my my partner actually, he's like totally not like down with the game theory. He's just like, no, we're just what is here. he say? Tell me. He he just says that this is his this is his one life. He's like, and I'm just gonna make the best of it. And and Fair and enough. that really helps him. Right. Like mm-hmm. he 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 really feels like he's like applying himself every day to the best of his ability because this is his it's, one yo. life. He's like, yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'm I'm pretty happy with the odds I ended up with. You know, like I'm I'm a privileged person. Like, and I and I pursue my dreams. I'm doing what I'm doing. He's like, and this is what I'm doing with my one life. And it's funny because. I used to be like, that's so like, to me, it feels so narrow. I'm like, really? Out of like all the possibilities, like that's the one? Like let him be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
2: Or not. Maybe (laughs) he's
0: right. (laughs) Totally. Well, that's the thing. Every time we have this discussion, though, I'm always a bit like, am I just Am I just reaching? But you I know, know that. Like, I think that's part of this experience too, to wonder
1: and question and get curious. I love your approach, Nick, on just questioning things and not being so closed off to this is the belief and this is it, but to be open to maybe, could be. I love that approach because I think it makes it a lot more fun.
2: Yeah. And 100%. That's why you know the utility of beliefs it helps, it helps me to have more fun in my life. And it helps me to be able to make more content because I actually enjoy what I'm doing. You know, I was doing green screen videos there for a while. And you've, I'm sure you've seen me do green screen style. Mm-hmm. It just kind of got it, it got stale. And I was like, well, I think I'm taking myself too serious. Mm, you know, people yeah. in my life would tell me, you know, you really seem real serious online, but in person, you're really like you're the funny guy. Right? But how did you end up being this? And I think it was because I thought that that was what people would help more people. That's what I thought, but that was a projection. Yeah. Because now at this point in my life, I'm seeing, hey, what actually helps people is actually subjective because, you know, it helps one person and it hurts another. That's Mm. just how life is. So it's like, well, then I can't base how I make my content on how it helps someone else. I got to base it on what's actually helping me Mm -hmm. to live. And again, in a utility based perspective, a more harmonious life within myself and with others. And, you know, some people might say comedy. You know, I just had a video literally 30 minutes before this I guess I just posted a video about numerology where Carehart was talking that. some crap. And uh, people were salt in the comments <laughs> about, you know, calling that out. And it was like, joking is judgment. That's what people would tell me. Mm. And I'm like, you, I mean, I guess you could say in a sense that we're, we're kind of saying, hey, this might be a little ridiculous, but it's like, what it, then my perspective is, because you have these new earth type people that are like, you can't judge anyone. Mm. You can't, you can't like very airy. We are all one, and it's like, but how do we call out BS so that we can evolve? And I think humor mm. is a much better way to do so because you can kind of like laugh about it and maybe they'll kind of realize the truth in it mm. versus like straight calling things out. That's why you don't see me taking the Jordan Peterson approach of mm. just very serious, and I could be like that, but. I've seen that it doesn't provide value in my life it, as a in my daily life. And also, I see that in my experience, more people will hear what you're saying through comedy than hearing yeah. what you're saying through seriousness. Yeah. That's my that's just what I've seen in the past couple of years,
1: you mm. know, because I think 100%. that. that... Mm -hmm. Brings their wall down. Honestly, that brings that it reminds me of my mom. So, my mom and me have a very strenuous relationship sometimes. And I found that when my husband would make a joke about it, about her comments, I'll give you an example. My mom tells me to wash my hands with soap. I'm 38 (laughs) years old. I'm like, Mom. I oh, know shit. to use soap. I know. And so my response is always like, I know, mom. Like, Ugh. And I get all annoyed. But my husband just jokes with her like, no, we're not going to use soap. And then it just disarms her. She starts laughing and then she can notice, oh, that's ridiculous. And I'm telling you, an adult, to use exactly, soap. But when yes. I tell her, she, in my tone, in a very serious tone to try to teach her the lesson or teach her what I'm trying to say, she's so much more closed off. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: See the same thing no. online.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I think humor is the easiest way to tell the truth. Mm, yeah.
2: That's why I started doing skits more. But I also don't want to be just doing humor because something that also interests me is the science. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'm kind of weird. Honestly, compared to most <laughs> people, it. because <laughs> there's a lot of people that are more spiritual. There, You see, a lot of people like tend to like say, this is my system,
3: mm.
2: whether that might be numerology, astrology, uh, human design. It might be, you know, I'm going to be just business or I'm just going to be just spiritual or i'm going to be just plant medicine you know shaman these there's many different things and and for me i'm kind of weird because i'm not really in one
3: mm-hmm.
2: i'm not mm-hmm. just in the spiritual i'm not just in the science because i have done a lot of science based videos as well and so i think there's actually an, an immense amount of value that people sleep on of helping people to understand reality through science as well as spirituality yeah because you have a whole subset of people out there that will deny the existence of anything spiritual because there is no evidence. And I understand that logical perspective. Yeah. You know, if I have the jacket on, I need to understand that logical perspective. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like there is this subjective reality. How can we link the logical, what people will call objective reality to the maybe nonlinear maybe linear subjective experiences and and um, symbologies and these things. So that's why I, I'm kind of still interested. And you'll probably see going forward a lot of uh, podcast episodes dedicated to the science because I think that this is mm-hmm. important because going back to you're going to get a whole subset of people or a lot of people that won't even believe it because there's no evidence. Well, let's show them some evidence yeah. and still say it could be instead of saying What a lot of spiritual people do, which is it is this way. You just haven't experienced it or you haven't experienced Mm. it right or my way. Mm -hmm. And if you did, you'd believe me, which is just another kind of leftover overtone of religion. Yeah, Because it's the same thing that people say in religion of if you haven't experienced the presence of Jesus or Allah or these things, and that's why you don't believe it. And so I think a lot of. Spiritual online kind of social media things are kind of leftover religious overtones that people haven't recognized because they think it's very different. So I think it's important to be able to recognize and just that's why I make posts like the one a couple of days ago. It's just like what I live by is hey, it could be it couldn't be,
0: mm, you yeah. know.
2: So that's that's kind of where I'm at in life. You know.
0: Have you heard of um, the book called The Tower of Physics?
2: I have not. No. I'm have to I write think that you would down. really,
0: I think you'd really enjoy it. I'm not fully through it, but it's by a guy named Frit Oh man, I forget his name. I want okay. like I'll the it Fritz Joff Capra. Yeah, yeah Fritz Joff Capra. <laughs> wow. Anyways, this this guy is freaking smart, and he wrote this book to basically talk about how modern physics or the lang- language of languages of science, right, are really just mirroring what the Eastern mystics have been saying all along. Mm-hmm. That's what and I want to do with
2: my life right there. Yeah. yeah exactly that.
0: So I think you would love it. It gives so many examples. And I think whatever whatever means you need to, to get to that sort of utilitarian place like we talked about, like whatever whatever you need to know in order to live your life mm. more harmoniously, do that. Because he basically talks about how you know neither language is superior, but you know he he relies deeply upon a lot of these old ancient Eastern traditions, um, but he loves the the usage of science to be able to parallel that because he's like there's a lot of people who are not, you know not culturally sort of in alignment with those traditions, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think if you, I don't know, grew up in like Bhutan or something, you know, then they get those traditions. But if you grew up in the Western world, like you'd have to spend such a long time studying it, right? And it goes kind of against a lot of what you've been conditioned to believe, you know, with religion and all these things. So he says science is a very important tool, obviously, for helping bring so many of these truths to light. And so I think you would love that.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna check it out for sure. And I, I think what's coming to me right now is there's, there's people that would believe things based on subjective experience or, or no logical evidence of things. And there's people that won't believe something unless there's evidence. And so mm. my kind of realization recently is, can I do that? Can, can, we, can we like come together? Can I, can I link those two together? Like, can these people get along? Mm. Can we maybe start to come more together in the sense of there might be, can we do both? Instead of it being like the, because I'm sure you've seen the spiritual kind of enlightenment community is completely gone. They're in another dimension.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they've left. (laughs) They've ascended.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they think so. But did they actually? Right. Right. And, And I think a lot of my realizations is that no, in fact, they did not. And maybe there is some, I guess we can just call it what it is, delusion in that community. And so how can we bring it back to the rest of the world? And yeah. there might, there might be a group of people that I think do that and they do, and they have done that for thousands of years in monasteries. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a place for people that have need no evidence of things. Mm. But I think the vast majority of humans are kind of in the middle of like maybe leaning more towards subjective t- subjectivity and then maybe more logical. So yeah. as as having a background and I went to school for kinesiology and I was very logical Having that background really allowed me to kind of see that there is value in that. And I'm glad even though I didn't use the degree and it was a way, you know, thousand, you know how much that it costs yeah. a ridiculous <laughs> amount. I don't agree with how much it costs, but I think it did teach me the value of logic. So mm. that way it didn't get too ungrounded because sometimes I look back at my old material, even with the law of one, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> that's pretty wild. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. It is freaking wild. I was actually reading some of the Law of One excerpts that are in your book, and I actually want to talk about a couple of sections of your book. So my favorite section so far in the book has been, I think it's chapter three, where you give really descriptive um phrases for each level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So for example, like guilt, shame, pride, willingness. And um, as I was reading it, I really have to call myself out because I, I kind of exist a lot at the level of between pride and willingness, for mm-hmm. sure. I think I feel the most aligned when I'm like around willingness and acceptance, but I'm not there all the time. And as I was reading the pride section, I was like, "Oh, that's me!" Like, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of getting excited when I get some sort of external thing. But I think that's all of us. We're conditioned to do that. Yeah. But my question is, how do we? Be, okay, once we become aware of what state of consciousness we're in how do we not egoically try to get above that state of consciousness mm-hmm. right because as i'm reading i'm like oh that's where i am right and then i notice i can watch my mind like trying to not be in that state anymore it's like it's like it it wants to make almost like like a success of itself by getting past that level. It's like, okay, like how do I I get to acceptance, right? And so it's like, instead of just being acceptance, right, it's trying to like make a task out of it. It's like a thing I have to get to. I'm falling into the illusion of time again. I need to go over there or I'm at a different level of consciousness. So do you catch yourself, um, I'm sure you do, in these different levels, lower levels? And when you do, what's sort of your way back up?
2: So- I just wanted to start this conversation specifically here on this thought that there is no such... Well, there is kind of a such thing, but it's actually very nuanced. All of them are ego, besides enlightenment, to some some extent. Mm. Because if it wasn't, it would be enlightenment. So there was different levels of it. (laughs) So how I see it is there's a lower mind and higher mind, and then there's no mind. (laughs)
3: Yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and no yeah. mind, not, not no mind, not in the sense that there's not a mind, um, because I'm really of the perspective that all is mental, all is mind. The Hermetic principles, I really am on board with that. I'm saying that the personal ego self mind is no longer because it's the the presence of what some people would call God or mm. divinity is so strong. <laughs>
3: So, well, and I just
0: realized, I just realized as I was asking, it's its mind asking. Yes. It's ego it's asking. E- it's e- ego asking. wants to know. <laughs> ego wants to know how to get higher ego. Yeah. <laughs> right. Without it looking <laughs> With, like ego. Yeah.
2: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's a tough question to answer. It's like, how can I use my mind to transcend my mind? But I think there's a, there is a, I think I've listened to Aubrey Marcus talk about this. And he actually says that, he was going to write a book named Master Your Mind, but then he realized you can't master your mind.
3: Yeah. And I
2: think, you know, I, I understand what he's getting at, but I do think there is a level of we can get into higher states using the mind because I think that there's a subtle difference that I think he's missing and it's the lower mind and higher mind, Mm -hmm. okay? And the way we can see this is anyone who studied the levels of consciousness, if you haven't, there's numbers and the numbers pertain to the amount of frequency. They are not Hertz, just for people that are wondering. Dr. Hawkins was specific about that. Okay, so there's a you'd have to look at the scale and maybe your editor could throw in the scale. Uh, The scale goes one to a thousand Mm -hmm. and there's the subtle nuance between pride and courage and then you're talking about how you're in pride and how you, how you kind of want to go up. Well, Dr. Hawkins, the perspective of, if we're talking about that work, his perspective is that there's a spiritual will that is pulling you up. And that mm. it is not actually the ego that wants to go up. And when you're at pride, actually what happens is that you want to spiral down. Okay. Most, and that's, that's why if you look at the detailed maps, it's spiraling down. When starting at pride, but but when you get to courage, you go up,
0: it's willing that mm, right. like it's,
2: it's spiraling up, and that's because there's a threshold, and the threshold is called truth versus falsehood. He wrote a whole book called Truth versus falsehood, and he also wrote another book called Power versus Force. Mm-hmm.
3: Both I read of these, that one.
2: Both of these thresholds are right at that two hundred mark. So when you get to pride and you're going up, it's actually not the ego that wants to go up. Mm. or it's not the aspect of it that wants to go up. Mm. You, what do you call the spiritual will? Is that the ego? I don't know. So I would say it's the higher mind. And there, if you look at Dr. Hawkins' work, there's also charts as well. Yeah. And he has a chart of the lower mind, higher mind, and he has those in specific books and the, physiolo- the physiology of going into higher levels of consciousness because there's actually physical changes that happen within the body as well and within yeah. the brain.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I guess that would be my answer is that it's not, the same thing if you actually look at the detailedness like you can say that we're all one but yet we're still Mm -hmm. individuated that's kind of how I see that process
0: Mm. Mm. okay I'm still like thinking about what you said earlier about (laughs) there's it's just mind or no mind right and so it was funny when we were joking about how your mind the, the master your mind principle is is really is really hitting me right now because I think Mastering attempts to master the mind with mind are just—it's just more games with your mind. Mm,
2: it is, but it's a beneficial game to me, and you know, that's why I kind of—I'm stri- I'm a little bit different from Albert Marcus. There, I do think there is a level of being able to master your mind, and it's through again the separation of the different types of mind, and mm-hmm. it's a subjective thing. It's not something that you can quantify. It's not something that you can measure, but there is this level of I want to get higher. On the In the sense of, I want to be more in the state of love. Let's just say that as a baseline. Yeah. What is the thing that wants to be more in a state of love? Because a lot of us are conditioned to be in a state of, like, I just want to survive. I just want to make money. I just want to do these things. That's what our society says. So what is that thing? Is it mind? It could be a level of mind, but I don't think the mind is all a bad thing.
3: Mm -hmm. And I don't think
2: the ego, the different, again, there's different differentiations. That's why if you look at the work of like Carl Jung, you know, there's a shadow. There's the, Mm -hmm. uh, the collective unconscious that also plays into these. And maybe there's parts of the collective unconscious that is, actually trying to bring us up as well. So Mm -hmm. there's many factors that this could be. It also could be the sun. I have a whole chapter, not a chapter, but a part in one chapter about external influences on consciousness evolution. And the sun is one of those things. The solar cycles are one of those things. And so if you're feeling like it's ramping up, it could also be the sun's activity actually does something that's called, it increases mass excitability, which is humans get more excited when the solar cycle is reaching a maximum compared to a minimum. And this is statistically shown for for at least wow. 100 years that this is what's happening. So mm. if the sun is heating up and we're going to get into a, a maximum, I think 2025 or so, the predictions are actually much higher than what we have expected. Maybe the sun is also affecting us. So I'm, it's not all... Uh, complacency and kind of depression and the apathy. It's not all, I think, within us. And a lot of times we think that some people will mm. will take the another perspective and say it's the astrology, all right? If yeah. That's the thing that's causing it. Could be that as well. So I think many factors. Again, I don't think that there's one system that is determining. Not even our own ego as to why we're <laughs> wanting to move up.
0: Yeah. So. so for you, you were just saying that um, you find, obviously, the mind helpful, which, which it is. And then you said that you could differentiate between a few different states. What are those states?
2: So the states are the levels of consciousness, essentially. Like the, the whole... Okay, I can go through all the states if you want. The 16 different levels. Do you want me to say sure. the levels? Okay. Go ahead. So <laughs> starting with shame, mm-hmm. guilt, hopelessness, apathy... Fear uh, grief, fear. I haven't looked at them in a while.
1: Desire is uh, next. Anger.:
2: Anger's next.
1: No it goes desire. And then, and then anger. That fear,
2: desire, anger, pride, courage, neutrality, willingness, acceptance, logic, love, joy, peace, enlightenment.: mm-hmm. See, I just kind of tapped I got a moment yeah. where I found it. <laughs> it's like I found yeah. it in my brain or wherever. But those are the <laughs> different, activated it. Those are different states. and I think the difference again, is in power versus force. You, you are forcing, at 199 below, 200. The different states are kind of like the spiritual will is what he called it. Again, that's the difference. I think right. there's, there's this presence within us in the Law of One, to get a little esoteric. They call it the blueprint of the Logos. And okay. that logos is the thing that's propelling us, because the question was asked in the law of one: like, what is what is propelling us to want to be in service to others? Like, what is like, mm. why do we want to help other people, and why do we want to be more loving? And it's like, well, the blue the blueprint of everything, or what they call the logos, is love. So there's something within us that we have that blueprint. We're trying to follow that br- blueprint, but we don't even know that we're trying to follow it, and then you know, there's different aspects of who's trying to follow it. There's the soul trying to follow it. And then there's the, the distinction of the soul and the body. I think this is actually a great answer to your question um, that I'm I'm, the one that I'm about to say, because I feel like (laughs) I wasn't super clear. Let's, Let's dial it in a little bit. I also say in the book that there's something called a soul personality and a body personality. Mm. The the body personality is the personality that you've developed throughout this entire life. And it's what the body wants to do. Mm. Now, there's also the soul personality. And the soul personality is your personality based on how many lives that you've lived Mm. and your experiences during those lives. So I think when I say that there's a there's the mind and the mind and the mind and the mind. What I'm saying is that there might be a soul and the soul the soul yeah. is the thing that might be the one that's wanting to progress mm-hmm. spiritually. This is something that has been well documented in Eastern traditions for thousands of years, that the soul is the one that wants to progress because the soul wants to escape the wheel of what they call samsara, which is the cycle of yeah. reincarnation. And they eventually want to achieve enlightenment. And so that's kind of how they see it. in Dr. Hawkins' work, and my work also all kind of intermingled together in that state of like, there is something that's pulling us up. You can call it a soul. You can call it God. You can call it many different things. I think it's just this animating essence of kind of fundamental awareness, kind of intermingled with the soul's experiences. And a level of remembrance. I'm one who actually has a perspective that a lot of people have about remembrance. I'm one who thinks that if you've reincarnated more, incarnated more, there's a a level of you being able to to kind of crack through the forgetting more. Mm. It's just this concept that I've kind of contemplated. It could or couldn't be true, but it seems like the more that I I see this… I'm not saying that I even have that, but it would make sense in a game. Yeah. That if you play it more, you can kind of get through the barriers easier. Mm -hmm, So that's something that I've kind of been playing around with too.
1: Well, even with video games, if you think about like Super Mario, like even though there's new video games, because you've played the first few, you you know how to do the different things in the new version. So that makes sense. I like that. I would agree
0: with that. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. I love your brain, Nick. Okay. (laughs) It's not mine. It's just the one I'm using. <laughs> uh, it's, just one I'm, it's just the one that I'm coming through. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, oh man. I have a question. Was, I want
1: to go back to when you were talking about the content that you make. Because this is actually a topic I've, I've asked other people on the podcast as well. Um, and this whole thought sure. about wanting to help people. And I yeah. oscillate between, okay, if you're going to create content or you're going to be helping people, do you do it from the place of what's going to help them or what's going to help you? And you said you create from a place of what helps you but there's a lot of other people that are like no I want to create for others and I'm serving others and it's not about what it's it is for them so I'd love for you to touch more on that. It's a
2: great question. I see it as I take certain perspectives that will help me and then I'm just myself mm. and I put put that out there mm. to help others and the people that are that will get value from the perspective will get value. Yeah. So I'm not making the content to help myself. I'm I have the perspective That helps me in my actual life because I don't want to be fake and be this person online and not and have different beliefs in person because there are a lot of people like that. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to connect what actually helps me tangibly with how can I share that uh, with people?
0: Mm, so. That's, that's actually exactly what I do where I just, I just have an insight or a perspective and it's just me sharing it. But I will say that, um, I'm kind of running into the problem that I think you were for a little while where you were like, I feel like my page is more serious than I am in real life. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what people's perception of me is online and that's not really real anyways, but I feel like I'm the most authentic on the podcast. And I feel like you might feel the same way about yourself because there's just, you're just being you and you're just talking to people. But I feel like when I show up online, I'm like, okay, I'm sharing something that I use in my life. I don't know. I like take on. It's so funny. Like I'm laughing at myself now because I kind of take on this like teacher persona, which I I do like to embody at times. Right. But, you know, I'm just like you said at the beginning, like I'm just I'm just a girl Mm. in Tennessee.
3: There it is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And so that's why I started doing skits more. Yeah. And I haven't done it in a while because I had some health issues and I'm coming back from that and trying, you guys know, trying to manage a podcast and and get it running efficiently. And, you know, you'll see Mm -hmm. doing in-person ones, there's a lot of extra effort that goes into that. Yeah, Um, totally. So I love the style of skits and of being comedic. And and so that's why the content switch is is kind of happening between that. But I also think it's okay to like be a teacher because, hey, that's part of who you are. You don't have to always be the same part either. So you can bring out different aspects of self. And what I'm saying is that a lot of people will bring out just one aspect of their persona mm-hmm. versus like all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much easier to do it just naturally in a conversation. Yeah, Versus, totally. you know, making a video because then it's dialed in. You're talking about a specific thing. You have to relay that specific thing in a specific way. So you kind of have to choose which way am I going to relay this? So it's nuanced. Mm. So that's kind of how I feel.
0: So, mm. Totally. I feel like in podcasts, I almost like forget myself. I know I'm here and I'm talking, but when it's video format, I'm really having to look at and focus on the self. Well, yeah. But um, anyways, I wanted to ask you, Nick, Is we, you know how we've talked a lot about thoughts that have um, value to us in order to help us live more harmonious lives. Is there any thought that you used to hold, um, any beliefs that you just no longer do?
2: Um, I'd say it's a perception that I... Of course, there's plenty of things that I used to hold, but um, a certain perception that comes to mind to me is just, I think my relationship to the past has changed. Mm. Oh, And I realize that it's so futile to even really have any sort of Uh, guilt Mm -hmm. for how things went or what you did. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's it's futile if you're just beating yourself up, which is something that I've done a lot. Same. And so...
0: How did you get out of that? What is now your relationship to the past?
2: It's now more like I can just learn things without having to beat myself up. And that's that's actually valuable to me. And... My relationship with the self has changed to just understand that hey, if you're coming into a world that nobody knows what anything really is in terms of like the rules, the rules in themselves are made up by people that came in before me, yeah, and mm-hmm. those rules may nest may not be
3: correct, mm-hmm.
2: and the rules about what how society is ran, and also the rules of. How I see myself or how most people see themselves. So to just understand that gives me a sense of compassion for myself versus judgment of you should have known better. You should have done this. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you're in a game where nobody remembers where they came from. Mm -hmm. We can just relax a little bit and yeah, we can figure it out. And I think reaching your potential is important. Um, And the potential is determined by that person as well. Now, what is potential? That's another question that I've been sitting with too.
0: Mm. Me too. Well, it's funny because potential, people want to reach it, but I'm like, potential is always more. Like you, you, you can't reach it because as soon as you get to one level of it, there's more. Potential is the energy that has not, really been embodied yet, Mm -hmm. but there will always be more of that. So it's like, it's like a losing game trying to reach your potential.
2: It depends. I think you can see, you can reach your potential daily.
0: Yes. Mm. So
2: like if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, my potential for today is maybe I write down three, these are the three things that I want to do. And what is the perception that I want to take today? How do I want to feel today? And if I take those and I'm like, well, this is what I think my potential is for this day. And then if I reach that, to me, that's reaching my potential versus making it this overarching. I need to be better, 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 yeah. which is what a lot of people will do. You
0: know? Yes, and then it's like a totally—they're just behind the eight ball. They can't get ahead. They can feel, and that then way. the potential. Yeah. yeah, and then the potential is the thing that almost stops them from taking action in the present, which is the only thing that you can actually do, right? They might become so overwhelmed by this idea of potential. It's like, oh, well, I'm not reaching potential, but it's like, the only way you reach potential is by taking an action right now. Like, there's just. There's just one thing you can do right now. And I think so many people don't realize really where their power lies, which is right now, Mm -hmm. right? There's, there's only all you can do right in this moment. And the only thing that keeps you from those things are just stories, Mm -hmm. right? And I know, like you said, one of your, one of yours was obviously the relationship to the past. You know, I think a lot of us are like just stuck in this maze of just like what happened, what could have happened, what should have happened. And then we just we just stay frozen in this moment. So we're not able to take any forward momentum. And I think the reason why we suffer so much is because like life is already moving on, but we're not. <laughs> like the mm-hmm. energy is flowing forward and we're just like staying in the mind with everything that once was. And that's why it's so painful, I think, to think about the past in a negative way, at least.
1: Mm. Yeah. Joe Dispenza talks about that a lot. He talks a lot about how if we can release the emotion from the past, then we're left with the wisdom that you were talking about, Nick. Like we just, we learn the lesson, but so many of us are attached to the story of the past, which then creates the suffering, right? We make, give it meaning. It now determines how we create our future because everything is through the lens of that past. So I think we've both been on that same journey of detaching from the story of what happened and detaching from the shame and the guilt of I should have known better because I do believe that, we're always doing the best that we can with what we know in that moment. And that has to be enough. It has to be enough. My new line right now is constantly saying, all I can do is all I can do. And it's just, yes, exactly. Instead of thinking that, yeah, we have to do everything right all the time. So it kind of goes back to the randomness. I think sometimes things just need to happen to then inspire a different thought. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) could be,
0: could be, could be. (laughs) <laughs> We're just learning. I feel, like, I feel like the theme of this really is just, it could be, and you just have to see for yourself. You know, when it comes to, especially like manifestation, and I'm sure you've talked to other people about this as well. I just tell people to use their own life as an experiment. Because yeah. I, I, I really think, you know, you're not going to just believe the words I say, right? Like you... You need to experience that. And so it's, it's up to you whether you want to try to orient yourself to that perspective. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. There's no requirement. Like, you can do whatever you want. That's the free will. But um, no, one, no one's going to believe you until they've gone through it. Do mm-hmm.
2: you think we have free will? <sighs> Big question. I feel... <laughs> you said free will, so... Well... You did this to well, yourself.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I actually knew you were going to ask yeah. me that. But you know how earlier, <laughs> earlier you talked about how the ego doesn't want to rise. It's like the spiritual will. Yeah. Right? Sure. I guess if we're the spiritual will and not the ego... I don't know. That's don't a good know. answer. Like, like,
2: I don't know is a good yeah,
0: answer. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Honestly, I, I, lo- I, I love people know.
2: that say that. It's great. Because you know, you're you're not trying to make you don't have to make it, you know, right. go through the whole process know, right now. It's like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think it's good well, to admit I, sometimes because I don't know either. That's my answer as well. I don't know. I
0: often ask myself before I'm about to do something, like, is this really me wanting to do it? Or is this, like, the conditioned part of me that wants to do it? Yeah. And I think I think that's, that's free will. Free, free will is being able to be the one that's not conditioned making the decision. Because I don't think that me, for example, like… Okay, like when I was growing up, my parents really wanted me to study like to go to medical school or be like a pharmacist or a nurse. My dad was in medicine, and mm-hmm. they just believed that was the way for me to like secure safety and belonging. and so I think I can like someone could say, "Oh, is my free will I decided to go to medical school mm-hmm. right but i'm like did did you decide to go to medical school like you your consciousness like the the, the unique spark that is you, like is that what you really wanted for yourself?" or like did you just decide that based on the programming and the experiences and the the ways that you've been taught to believe? And so I think yeah, I think that's the free will. Like me deciding to not do that was almost like the free will because that was like me going against the conditioned part of me. And I think a lot of us are believing we have free will but in reality just making decisions from the conditioned part of us. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not free at all. We're totally living these like default Sort of robotic lives, which is why most people's lives look similar. Yeah. Right. I, and I think, you know, radical people or people that you call mavericks or renegades, like they, I guess, are exercising a bit more free will because they are acting from not that part of their mind that's deeply conditioned. They're thinking freely for themselves. But that's my take.
1: Hey, listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside
0: of our free spiraling higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue
1: this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show
0: notes. Can't wait to see you in there. Yeah, well, I'm finding that, you know, the most spiritual people don't know what that means. Like they're just <laughs> mm-hmm. the most spiritual people are really maybe not even like us, right? They're not. They're not seeking. They're not reading. They're what not. What do you mean by listening. spiritual? I got to know mm, someone who's deeply connected to the energy of love. Love. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's deeply connected to the energy of love. Um, they're in acceptance of what is. Right, and they're in non judgment, Mm -hmm. and I find that these are people who are just like you know, living in the mountains, you know, or like you know, going fishing every day. So, you
2: like this is great. (laughs) I'm glad that you said that. When you say non judgment, do you see judgment as a bad thing?
0: I see judgment as a thing that creates conflict.
2: Okay, so this is good because I've been contemplating this, and I love your perspective. Mm -hmm. When do you call things out that you think are are uh what's a good word? Are I don't know if hurting people is kind of what I'm thinking, but it's not like hurting, it's like when people are manipulating other people, how do you call them out in a way that is not judging? Because that's what the guy in the comments said earlier,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that you're judging if you're joking. So is yeah. there value in judging?
0: But does that mean like every comedian is like judging? Right. Right? Because like all of… That's what I said back actually. They're all jokes. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. They're all jokes. Right? And we we laugh because it's true and it's funny. Right? So is that judgment or is it more like exposing judgment? I don't know. I feel like jokes expose judgment without really judging.
2: Yeah. It's like can we just open up a little bit and see? You know? Hey. Maybe… Saying these things are kind of ridiculous in terms of,
0: I yeah, some things some people say.
2: There's a million different things that I think are ridiculous, and I think you know I think it's depending on the person. But I think it's if you're like talking crap versus like uh, and like in a way that's like you're directly insulting the person versus you know saying hey you're thinking this way and it's kind of ridiculous and I'm going to make a skit about it or you know.
1: I think the intention is always everything though because I think even with comedians Mm. sometimes it is to shed light on something in a, in a light way sure. that people are going to absorb it. But then there are people that are going to do it maliciously. Even spiritual teachers, you know, they might be talking about things that are coming from the ego, but maybe they would be making a judgment where it's not coming from ego. And again, it's coming from a place of love just to shine light on something. So I think yeah. the intention behind it is is everything.
3: Yeah. That makes and sense.
0: I think, I think judgment can really only happen if you think you're right. Mm. <laughs> Right? Like that's the only way judgment happens. I think if you don't think you're right and you're willing to take the Mm. position that maybe you aren't right, then there's just curiosity. Yes. And I, I, and I think curiosity is the antidote to any judgment or conflict because you know, when it comes to like, let's say I'm, I am in a conflict with someone and I'm saying like, well, you did this and then you were wrong. Like the only way we're going to sort of reduce the tension is by me getting curious as to why they did that. Yeah. And I can only get curious about that if I'm willing to assume the position that I don't know everything, mm, yeah. right? That that they made that decision or said that thing based on something that I'm not I'm not aware of, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes when you, you do have an interaction with someone who's, let's say, in an angry mood and you find out that like X, Y, Z happened earlier in the day, then you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And there's less judgment, right? Because there's more curiosity. So I think judgment... Is it wrong? No, it just really reflects that you think you're right, which, is that wrong?
2: Well, here, let, let me tell you, this is the conclusion of my perspective on this. There's a difference between judgment and logic. All of the comedians that are like, well, not all of them, but m- m- comedians in general on Dr. Hawkins scale calibrate at 480, which is logic
0: like four, mm. 400.
2: They don't calibrate in judgment. And the reason why is because you have to logically be able that. to understand something
3: mm. before
2: you make fun of it. And so humor in itself is actually calibrating high because it's very close to love uh because love is right above logic. And so Dr. according to Dr. Hawkins anybody who's comedian and they're doing it in a loving way that they actually calibrate high on the scale. So because if you logically like for example if Carehart logically thought, you know, people manipulating other people. She thought that was incorrect. It doesn't mean they're judging. I think there's a difference between like logically coming to a conclusion and then judging someone in their character based on that. So there is a subtle difference there. Mm. And according to like the consciousness scale, that would be why that makes sense. I'm glad that I kind of brought that in there because I think that Mm -hmm. was the clearest way that I relayed that thought
0: so Mm. far. Yeah. And it makes so much sense to me that he would rate the um, or calibrate the comedians at reason because to be honest, it, it's not. It can't be funny unless it's true. Yes,
2: right. Unless you're doing like ridiculous, like Jim Carrey stuff. I mean, yeah. You know.
0: Unless it's, unless it's like physical humor. Yeah. But I I think for it to be funny, there has to be a sliver of truth. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't get the joke.
2: Right. <laughs> I'm with you, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm and glad I, we came I, to that. That was good. I Overall, love that. You know. <laughs> so,
0: universe, the game. That's right. This is this is us. Um, well, Nick, <laughs> you uh, you're just you're just such a light. You're so funny, and I love that you can be funny and or serious. I think that all of those are parts of you, um, and that you got to bring honestly both of them here today. I feel like we got to experience both.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm stepping more into that, and you know, as someone who's again made content. Since twenty fifteen, it's kind of just been this evolution of like, I'm always authentic.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not that
2: I'm not authentic. It's that I'm authentically who I am in that moment. Yeah. And then that will consistently change.
1: Yeah. So
2: well, back in twenty fifteen, when I was pushing trucks, you know, making video like making kind of those videos and you know, trying to being strong and doing strongman type stuff and bodybuilding. It's like that's who I that's who I was. Yeah. But I think that that, you know, the character can change and who we decide to be because everyone is deciding to be who they are in terms of not necessarily their physical, what happens in their life and where they are, but they get to decide and define themselves every single day. Mm. So it, it, to me, it was about defining, you know, and, and someone has made content for a long time. How do I want to define myself and how do I want people to feel when they watch my videos and how do I want people mm. to feel when they hear me speak? And um, if I, when I leave this body, how do I want people to feel at my funeral? How did I impact people? And in what way? Because, you know, I went to doing other things and then I felt like that wasn't fulfilling in, that, in the way that I wanted. So mm. I think there's a lot of people out there that are kind of struggling to find a sense of fulfillment, but also enjoy life because people will think through my mm. experience of what, uh, observing and friends and you'll either need to do something fulfilling and not enjoy it or do something mm. enjoying, enjoyable, but it's not really super fulfilling. Mm. But I think what I'm trying to relate to people is that, hey, it's a game. You can enjoy the game, but also do things that are fulfilling. But I also think on, a, on another note that it is very important for people to be able to do things that are difficult for the sake of doing them. And I know that might sound weird to someone who hasn't heard that concept. And I'm not saying you have to do it to the extreme of David Goggins. For those that know David Goggins Mm -hmm. who are just running 20 miles a day. Crazy. But he does. there is an aspect of truth in what he's saying where, hey, if I'm doing things in order to get beyond what my current mind is telling me I should do, then I can consistently do that in my life. And a really good example for me is I recently started doing cold plunges Mm -hmm. and I thought it was bro science. But... It actually turns no, it's out real there's re- a lot of research behind that. And um, I've had a lot of people come on my podcast and say, hey, cold plunge, cold therapy, you know, they're doing these things. And I'm finally, I'm in a place, there's a pool. And it's not crazy cold. It's 57, 56, which I looked at the studies and that's like the minimum, around 60 degrees. So I'm at the minimum. So I'm not, I'm a rookie out here, but I do see massive <laughs> benefits of like actually going in there. And I my mind does not want to go in there. But I will have to talk to myself sometimes. We turn that music on, you know, get some super tramp going or something like that and just (laughs) classic rock and we just get in there and I just say, I am doing this. No matter what this has to say, I am doing this. And that can be so many different things in life. Mm
3: -hmm. But
2: for me, it's been cold. And the more that I do that, I can edit stuff when I don't feel like it. I can make skits when my mind doesn't want to do it. But there's no real logical reason. No, I'm not saying you have to force. Yeah, but when there's like something that is beneficial that you know, you could translate maybe a better example is food. You know, I have options of all these different types of food. There's like candy, you know. There's there's stuff that is right. not that great for you. But if I just went in the cold plunge and I felt unstoppable, I'm probably not going to go get the food that I feel like is just going to undo everything I did. Right. So that level mm-hmm. of momentum and, you know, some, for some people it's working out, running, meditating. I think all of those are also beneficial. I'm not saying that they're not. So I just think it's important to also kind of ground this conversation on by just saying like, Hey, it's not that you just, are you just flowing, but you're also learning how to do things that your mind doesn't want to do that, that, you know, are beneficial. And we've talked about the subtle separation between those. And then that will translate to every area of your life. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've just totally. been experiencing, you know?
0: Well, I think unless you understand that there is a subtle separation between those, then you'll just be a servant of the mind. Mm. And so every time the mind says, I don't want to, then or I do want to, then you just do what it wants or doesn't want. And I think that's that's where we lose the quote-unquote free will, right? You're You're just moving with this mind, right? That's you know, either craving or um experiencing aversion to something. And then I think that free will is you saying, like, no, like we're going. Mm-hmm. We're jumping in. Right. There's everything in you is screaming, I don't want to, but there's there's something higher than that. That's there's something that's aware of that and overriding that. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's, that's aware you. of that. That's a perfect something that's, way to say something that. Something that's aware of that. Yeah. Right. Cause I I like, okay, like this morning I woke up and I could definitely feel like I don't really want to like shower or anything. Like, I just want to roll out of bed. But I was like, no, like, I know that like get, going to the gym and showering is going to make me feel better. And so that was a thing that the mind was like, we don't want to do that. And I was like, no, I know you don't, but we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was, so that's interesting that there's something that my mind wants to do or doesn't want to do, but there's something that's watching that. And making a decision from a different place.
2: Yeah, that's th- interesting. That's what goes back to what you're saying: that the mind can you can you master the mind? What? So that 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 example right there is a great example of like what is the thing that is aware?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that's yeah. how you can kind of start to see that hey, this might be a character, and the character body might want certain things, and that there's a difference. I feel like that's. So I've heard arguments against free will. And I've never heard one that I have found to be something that was like, okay, because I'm open. Hey, uh, you know, even human design, which I love human design, but they say there's passenger mm-hmm. consciousness. There's no free will. Uh, so.
0: Oh, really? In human design? No yeah. free will?
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm like mm. 90% sure on that. But they call it mm. passenger consciousness of you are just kind of watching a movie. So mm. it's, that's another question. Universe movie, universe game. Who knows? But
0: I've definitely resonated a lot with the movie analogy, yeah. movie metaphor. Yeah. I, I really feel sometimes like when I'm super present, like I'm just watching a movie. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. That's passing through my awareness now. And it's just, everything's just like in a sequence. But mm-hmm. um, more harmful is when I'm seeing movies in my mind though. Like I, I think there's mm. like the movie of like life, like reality, like what's literally happening right now, this conversation. But then there's a movie that could also be happening in my brain That, like, which would be my thoughts and perceptions about this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think most people live in that movie, the mind movie, rather than like the life movie. I've been, so I've been trying to live my my life movie rather than my mind movie.
2: Yeah, it just goes back to the algorithm. The algorithm is going to feed you certain, certain images in your mind. And is that actually reality? And what is reality? (laughs) You know, we got to ask that question too.
0: The present moment. The present moment. That's it. Or your perception of it. Your pres- no, I think reality is the present moment. And then your perception of it is not reality. Mm. That's your, that's your it's mind. It's your
2: reality. Is there an objective your- yes. reality though? Yes.
0: Right. That's what I mean. Yes. yes. The present moment is, is reality. Like the moment that would be here if all humans were wiped out and it was just animals. Like that it would be this. But then your perception of it is your mm-hmm. reality. We talked about yes. that, Nick, actually on your podcast. There's one earth… But seven plus billion realities, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Everyone just… In, everyone's… You know, what I've realized is everyone is just in their own world. Yeah. They're in their own and movie. Then it's, yes. And then it's rare when you meet someone who's like kind of living in a similar world and then you vibe with that person. But even, even then, you're still in your own world.
2: That's what my content is for. It's like, hey, this is the world that I've found the reality, that I've found the most helpful and enjoyable to live And helpful to the world because I don't just want to be someone who's doing things that are helpful to me in order to get me to a certain status or Mm -hmm. um, to get me to a place where I have certain things. So that's why I think I said, like I said earlier, fulfillment and enjoyment. These two things are, I think, important to find a, a balance because it can be enjoyable and something that is fulfilling and of value to the world. And I think it is a responsibility for each one of us to provide some sort of value to the world in some respect. And whether that is value in love, whether that's a value in the things that you do, I think it can be so simple. It doesn't have to be necessarily you work super hard, but it's also Mm -hmm. how are you treating others. That is Mm -hmm. valuable to the world. Because I think that the ultimate kind of place that we're heading you know, I've had this conversation many times to many people, and I'd love to hear your perspective. It, do you think the world is that ever going to be one that's loving? Is Earth ever going to be loving? Or is it designed <sighs> to not be loving? Because Dr. Hawkins used to say, if you didn't have Earth, you'd need to make another one. Because there's so, the Earth is a place that is designed for the maximum karmic growth, was what mm, he used to say. Yeah. So, yeah. are we ever I going think I'm to on get that. there? Or is it designed to be
0: this? It's kind of like, are we ever going to be enlightened? It feels it feels like the same thing. It's like I don't I don't know like if people I don't know if I believe that like do people just literally attain enlightenment and then just like hang out there? I don't well, know. That, like, I well, I
1: always says then you're dead,
0: right? Exactly. Then you're then just,
1: you're if, 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 Well, basically, if you want to get to a point where you experience no contrast, no nothing negative, you're just constantly. In every moment, you're just dead. hive. Then that's that's being in the spiritual realm. That's not yeah. going to fully exist in this 3D world. Otherwise, you only experience that essentially when you're dead. Yeah,
0: and I feel like we're like totally fed like this idea that like basically like through perfect action and perfect will you, that you will be enlightened, and then that's right. a spiritual oh, ego. That's
2: what it says in Buddhism: is right, right will. There's eight tenets, and it's right. That's actually the word that they use: right.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think I, I think I knew that. I think I knew
2: that. Yeah, there's Buddhism is really interesting. And yes, to answer your question or to answer what you're saying, they do think that they reach enlightenment, and that is the ultimate point of reality. Mm-hmm. The, the point of this world, from a Buddhist perspective, is to reach enlightenment.
0: See, like I, I, I have definitely had moments in my life where I know I'm there, but I don't. I don't. I don't think you there, stay like, the there. Time. I think the point of life can be to reach it so that you can keep on reaching for it as you
1: inevitably cycle in and out of it. But I don't know if I believe that you just stay, unless, I mean, you're a monk and you meditate for 24 hours a day, maybe.
2: Are you saying staying in enlightenment?
1: Yeah. Like I feel like most people would cycle in and out of that once you've reached that.
2: Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So there's, there's a couple different perspectives you could take here. There's types of Buddhists. I don't know if you guys know that, but there's like the Buddhas that come back to this world, the Bodhisattva, and then there's the, the Buddhas that mm. actually don't come back to this world once they attain enlightenment. Mm. So, the, Right. So th- and that's the goal. Uh, to not come back, right? Well, no, actually, the Buddha actually did come back after achieving mm. enlightenment. Because the, the subtle difference is the Buddha comes back to help the world to reach enlightenment, to help right. others. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the goal. The goal is to achieve enlightenment. But what you do beyond that it's kind of like the same concept as Buddhism has there. Also, Law of One had it. It said uh, there's wanderers, and the wanderers come and they incarnate and help people to evolve, and and they choose to stay, but they're not necessarily enlightened. But there's people that come and in the incarnate. Now again, that's esoteric. I'm not saying that's the truth, but uh, there is this concept throughout the world, and now. Who knows if we're gonna reach there? My understanding and my perspective is that yes, we all will reach enlightenment individually in an infinite amount of time. It's a possibility. <laughs> That's how I see okay, it. Okay. I
0: wanna I wanna keep talking about this because this actually um conflicts with power of now from Eckhart Tolle, sure. right? Because mm. he talks, he talks about how like any Anything that you believe you can attain in the future like is an illusion because you're you're falling into the yeah, like the belief that there is a time other than now for you to be able to do that. Mm. you create the illusion of time, and so trying to reach enlightenment is like, oh, in the future when I reach it he's like you're already you're already behind it like right there is do you know what I mean It's like if I was going to reach it, it would have to happen through this moment like I would have to just figure out what's stopping me from feeling that in this moment now. there is no. Place that I get to in the future, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like okay, like if I'm going to reach enlightenment, it, it's it's presupposing that that's going to be some time later, right? But in doing that, I create the illusion of time, which makes it impossible for me to reach it. Why would that make it impossible? Because I'm only going to ever attain it through the now, right? So I guess I'd arrive in a new now where I would right. have a new awareness uh, be and be able same to attain now. it.
2: Because the now never ends. Yeah, It's just like, if you were in a video game, is there a time in the game? Yes or no? Is that time real? Yes or no? Is it an illusion? Yes or no? Is there a realm time and a time outside that? Maybe. So I understand what he's saying. And I think it's it's actually coming at an unintuitive approach for enlightenment that will help in this context. If you think about enlightenment as something you already are versus something you need to attain, it's a different energy. Right. So if you already are yes. that, it's like, well, at some point, you in. if we can at least come to the agreement that there is a, a sense, an experience that we are having that seems to be your body will grow old and that that's a potential to happen at some point in the now moment if we're able to have that perspective of like, okay, well, that's a possibility that they could happen. Maybe that it might not be like real in the same way that a game isn't real, but it's still a possibility that it could exist. If that's the case, then if we are all already enlightened, like Dr. Hawkins also used to say, stop being on, stop being unenlightened. Mm -hmm. Like it's already like, it's because it's there. It's like the sun. So if we think of enlightenment Mm. as the sun is there, but there's just clouds at some point, those clouds are going to be removed. But do we have control over that? Is it spontaneous? Because many people who have uh, achieved this so-called enlightenment have achieved it spontaneously. They were actually at the lowest levels of consciousness, and then all of a sudden, boom. Mm -hmm. So it's not always a stairway of, I'm going to get there eventually, but it's a possibility that it could happen to the point where you... I think think of it like this. There is this... There is... There... How do i how do I put this into words? Because this is really difficult to put in words. There's like a infinite blanket, and you are like this piece that's coming up on this blanket, and you're you're mm-hmm. you eventually will go down just as the consciousness that we are experiencing as individual is like a whirlpool in the water. And we identify as a whirlpool. but eventually we may become the entire ocean. Even mm-hmm. though we're just a whirlpool at that moment, we were the entire time the ocean, but we just called ourselves the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. So when we say enlightenment, I think we're more getting at that aspect. We are already surrounded and are that in, in, in the fundamental core, just as a whirlpool is water.
3: Mm-hmm. But it, it, we yes. call it
2: something different. So that's kind of how I see it. And I understand what Eckhart Tolle is saying because it's like, yeah, well, you can't do it except for right now. So that also makes sense. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it totally makes okay. sense. I I've heard people say, like, you know, you you're a, you're the ocean believing that you're a wave. Yeah, that's but like that's another way. Same okay. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wave is ocean, right? It's just a manifestation of ocean. Like mm-hmm. um For sure. But yeah, I I'm really I'm really trying to think about the utility of this belief of enlightenment in my life because if if I believe enlightenment is like fully possible for as a state for me to realize I guess in waking life and that it should be the goal of my life I don't know if that helps me to be honest depends mm. on what you're, what is your goal in life well that's what I'm saying like if it is enlightenment
2: no I'm saying help you do what 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 does it not help you like when you say it doesn't help you what does it not help you
0: oh it doesn't help me feel peace now
2: right well, that's which I believe is, is one of the
0: ingredients for enlightenment yeah <laughs>
2: So it should help you. Do if you that's see how
0: it's, it? Well, but it's it's conflicting, you, Why? right? Like it's like I, I actually I actually experience more peace if I believe that that's something, and this is just me right now. Sure. It could change, but if I believe that it's something that it's actually not possible for me to attain that at all times, which may, brings peace to whatever I'm experiencing now. Because if I'm not experiencing like current enlightenment, then I'd be like, well, I'm not supposed to, so it's okay, right? But if I believe that that was like where I needed to be, then what I'm saying to myself is you're not there and that's wrong. And then I experience inner conflict. Well, So that's interesting. That's just my personal experience.
2: Sure. Yeah. When I think about that, to me, it brings up this thought process of what are you using permission slips to feel a certain way and when if you the word enlightenment doesn't give you that permission slip, but not being enlightened does give you permission slip for peace. They're both looking to achieve peace to me. Yeah. Yes. So if enlightenment is a state of peace, if you it, I don't think it's also mm. about looking at like, <laughs> hey, uh, all the time, it's just yeah. like. Enlightenment is a combination of all of the lower levels into one. We never really even established for this conversation a definition of what enlightenment actually is, which Mm -hmm. I think it's important to go back to. Yes, Um, Enlightenment is actually the inclusion of all emotions, not the negation of all emotions. If you take certain um, Eastern philosophies, it's actually negation-based. Some of them are inclusion-based. And what that means is you're going to say, I am not that. I am not that. I am not that until you reach a certain level of enlightenment. That's one level. There are also levels to enlightenment. Mm -hmm. There's the void. There's um, the allness. There's omnipresence, omnipotence. So it also depends on what level of enlightenment you're talking about. Mm. And there's only a handful of people that have ever reached a thousand, which is the full enlightenment, according to Dr. Hawkins. So when we say like it doesn't help you, I think it really comes back to... Like I asked, like, help you to do what? To feel peace. If you're trying to feel peace, that inherently is what that is. So if you feel like you're going to get peace through another means, you're still on that path, even if you don't Mm -hmm. realize it.
0: Just calling it something different. (laughs) Just calling it something different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that makes sense. It's, It's like you can believe in whatever religion you need to, whatever gets you there. That's kind of like where I'm at with that. I'm like, I don't care what you believe. Like, whatever makes you feel peaceful and loving and service oriented, like go for it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's like just what works for you. And I mean, that's why there's so many different teachers, Mm -hmm. right? There's a way of listening and speaking and hearing and digesting that will work for one and not another. And yeah, it's just really interesting. Cause when I, (laughs) when I think of enlightenment, I'm like, oh damn, like
2: I don't get gotta to get experience there. this anymore or something like that. That's how I kind of feel. It's like you feel like, oh, well, if I reach that, then I'm not going to experience the same type of joy. Um, I don't, I've don't. i had kind of personal experiences, but I just want to say for the record, I am not at a level of enlightenment. I'm just someone who just kind of <laughs> look because some people might think that that's what I think about myself.
3: Right. So I just got to no. put that out there
2: that that is not what I'm claiming in any means. <laughs> But I've just studied a bunch of different stuff. And this is just what I'm talking about. That's why I always say according to this tradition. that Because I'm very intentional about like, these are not necessarily all, all my perspectives. And I feel like it gives actually more credibility when you cite your sources, which a lot of people don't do. So I just wanted to say, that's something that's important for me to mention.
0: I mean, would you even, would you even trust anyone that said, I'm enlightened? Would you be (laughs) like,
2: No, because Dr. Hoffman said, anyone that claims enlightenment, you can already automatically tell that they're not enlightened.
0: Yes. Because anyone who actually claimed
2: enlightenment, there would be no I to claim it anymore because Mm, that's what enlightenment uh, is.
0: Yes. Yeah. the, The dissolution of the I, the self, the small self. Right exactly <laughs> there's no one who's there's no one there there's there's no one to be in, you're <laughs> it's all so funny it's all yeah which is it's weird so funny. to contemplate
2: it's like this concept of allness if we go to the hermetic principles um they are mm-hmm. of the perspective principle number one all is mine the kabbalion um, is also the book related to hermetic principles so it's free online kabbalion.com i think so if you want to just go look at it you can all the different principles The principles are some of the most profound things I've ever come across, and I think it really pertains to this conversation, because they're saying all is mind, all is mental. So what we're experiencing is the one mind thinking intelligence into sentience. And so that's when we say God, they actually say in the hermeticism, the all, because the all is that mind. And also the Mm -hmm. law of one says the same type thing. We are all thoughts. And just as though the Hermetic principle says we are thoughts that there's polarity, the law of uh, the principle of polarity, the law of correspondence, as above, so below. That's why one, you know, the second principle, the correspondence. I'm ninety percent sure it's the second. Again, hey, it's the way she goes, but it's one <laughs> of the principles, and that one really is what led me to the conclusion of universe, the game. Because when I thought about as above, so below, a lot of people forget about the second part of that as below, so above. So mm. if that's the case, if I'm experiencing games, then there's maybe this is a game. And I think that Inception, the movie, mm-hmm. is also a, a fantastic way to look at it. I don't think there's a better or worse way. Looking at it as a dream within a dream to me, is very similar in a game within a game, in a movie within a movie. We have these... How -hmm. do they come up with Inception, by the way? Like, that is really interesting that that got put out there. I'd say Inception is one of the best movies ever made. Mm. I love it. Hands down. And I really love going into movies and the truth that I find within movies because I think that's one of the most powerful things. You know, if I have (laughs) enough resources and I'm surrendered if this does happen, but I would love to make short films about Mm. uh, concepts like that and kind of take, it, have it take on another meaning and kind of explore that idea more because I think movies are so powerful. Uh, when we see acting and these things and we get lost in it because maybe we know that there's some aspect of truth to certain parts. Maybe, we, maybe there isn't, you yes. know? So, for example, I think the Marvel movies have a, a ridiculous amount of truth, but they also have a ridiculous amount of distortion -hmm. So I'm not saying that it's all truth, and then oh, you go watch it because no, they put some BS in there. But uh, that's why I've really loved shows like Loki, like Moon Knight.
0: Oh, I Um, love Loki. Those
2: shows are fantastic. Um, Even the concept in WandaVision of Mm -hmm. you know getting put into a TV show and then living different TV shows out, but then at the end realizing that oh. I'm actually just making this all up in my mind because I haven't come to the conclusion that my husband's dead, and it's like I'm just kind wait, of wait.
0: Which one is this? One division. Yeah, spoiler. Oh. Well, no, it's not really <laughs>
2: spoiler because you know he's you already know that he died in one of the uh, vision. I haven't seen that. Dies in it, but wow. but that's kind of the concept of like, hey, am I thinking it's a game, or am I thinking I'm in a show just to like cope? And am I actually coming to that conclusion? So that's why I'm I'm also like, hey, it's not for everyone. And I think it can be used in a way that's harmfully just like everything. Yes. So that's why it's not all the ultimate truth and it can be kind of skewed. So that's another thing to just realize. It's like, hey, one thing can help, one thing can hurt. I think it helps me. And uh, I've come to that conclusion. And I try to back that up with research and and things and I've done videos on the simulation on the holographic universe and how the universe actually is holographic and the evidence of that from, yeah. the, from the quantum evidence to the to the actually holographic researchers' holographic brain, Carl Prebrum, how our brain might actually be just taking in certain uh, sensory inputs. And when we take in those inputs, are those actually real or are those are is it our brain that translates? interference patterns, waves into particles. So is there actually outside of our eyes, is there just waves that our eyes or our senses has translated? So is reality all just interference patterns that we're all just like translating into our own experience? Who knows? So there's many things. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to say that you know, there is no evidence of the universe being, because there is. So um, that's also important to me. It's like, like I said earlier logic and spiritual kind of bringing these together
0: Totally. Yeah. Actually, what you were just saying about what we're seeing, we we heard Abraham say something about that when we were at the workshop, Gina, remember? She was saying that, uh, or they were saying that seeing is not the right word. She said um, mm. translation is better. Yeah. Like that your eyes are translating, yeah, waves, particles, like you're, you're not, you're not seeing what's there. It's like you're, yeah, I don't it's know called, if that makes no, sense. You're right. but you're,
2: it's called Fourier transforms is actually the scientific term. Um, it's a type of math okay. that, are, that we can use it, that translates. Our brain runs on Fourier transforms. And I just got goggles from when I was swimming, just chilling. I don't know why that's in my hand. <laughs> uh, but that's just what happens sometimes. I forget to put stuff away. I'm, don't ask my girlfriend about that. <laughs> because sometimes I get a little... I think, honestly, I've I've gotten a lot better in the last couple of years. Especially since we lived in the rooftop tent. But anyways, <laughs> let me finish that last thought. Now, yeah, Fourier transforms is what our brain uses to kind of translate the environment. And Fourier transforms has been shown as a mathematic principle that these actually work. So and they work in, in math in general. So... When you say seeing isn't really accurate, it's like it's transforming. Um, it's actually mm. interpreting. Just like if I didn't understand a language, I would need a translator. Just like right. our eyes might be that translator for us. And mm-hmm. maybe different animals have different sets of translations. So they're seeing way different stuff. Yeah, than we are, and we know that through the electromagnetic spectrum. You know what the types of vision, infrared, some some animals can see, and you know. So I I just think it's interesting to contemplate, and and to also say, hey, if we can only see one percent of what's happening, if that's actually a true statement, which is what science tells us,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. what's going on? We've got radio waves. People will say, I don't believe it till I see it, but we believe in radio waves.
1: Yeah, Wi Fi. Yeah,
2: so there's many Love. things. Okay, yeah, that's another one. So I don't know.
0: It's crazy to me to think that we're we're so um, we're so addicted to the world of form, right? We think that that's all there is, like our body, you know, the earth. But there is a ninety nine. I don't know. Isn't it more than ninety nine percent of everything that's just non physical, and we're just not paying attention to that?
2: Right, with, that's what like kind of what I do is. Just, yeah, that's what let's you do. T- you pay let's pay attention. Let's, let's <laughs> look a little bit at this. You know, it seems maybe like it might help our civilization, but again, I'm actually contemplating a: Are we ever going to evolve to a, a loving society, or is this just something where we come here and it is this way, and um, we learn to be loving in a non-loving society? Because I think a lot of people, I think it's in that. the spiritual community, will wait for New Earth to come along and save them. From everything. But it's like, well, maybe that's not going to come. And I think putting our, uh, putting all the eggs in the basket of, oh, in the future, it will be better because I think so. I don't know if that's a valuable thing. Because I can think that can lead to complacency of 100%. all change once the world's better or once this changes. Anything outside of you that you are waiting to be more harmonious or loving or even to th- stop... Um, certain habits or until the world is this way, or, you know, we see that in geopolitics too, like when the world is a certain way and then it just gets more polarized. And then it, we seem like it. it is, maybe it is getting more polarized. Well, it's like, well, what's going to change that? How much can it change? I don't know. But all I can know is that, Hey, what do I think the truth is? And how have I come to that conclusion and I think it's also important to share things that are sometimes uncomfortable as well, which is what yeah. I've kind of done through this conversation. I've called out the spiritual community about a bunch, but it's it's with it love because I want people to see totally like that. Hey, just because the spiritual sense we're outside of religion doesn't mean that it's all true. Mm-hmm. You know, all the cha- like channeling to me is mm-hmm. as, as I'm glad oh, that I'm. I wanted to ask you. Okay, well, great because you know my perspective <laughs> has changed a lot on unchanneled stuff. Mm. And
0: since you wrote the book.
2: I mean, I was writing the book and it was changing while I was writing the book. Mm. Uh, but I decided to throw the law of one in there. You know, there was a time period where I almost didn't even include the law of one. And I almost I thought about also removing the law of one chapter from the book as well. Um mm. It's not because I don't believe it, be, but because. I was starting to have an aversion towards channeled material because I saw how much it was used to manipulate other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and start cult-like followings of certain mm-hmm. people or ideologies. Yeah. And I think those followings can be New Earth or it can be Galactic Federation. I think these end up start they, they can be cult-like. Um, just like mm-hmm. religions can be cult-like. Yeah. And so when...
0: Well, it's interesting how how blindly the spiritual community has just followed, channeled. Facts. Messaging, right? Like, it just, yep. just, not even questioning it. Kind of like, well, I'd be like, not spiritual of me to like doubt this. So it's kind of like, can we get curious? Like, uh, I don't know. You can it, get it curious really without
2: saying that it is truth.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. And I mean, just take what works, take what doesn't. You know, like. I think Abraham Hicks is a really great example um, that a lot, a lot of people are positive, right? Coming from their workshops and their teachings. But I don't know. Like, I get why people are skeptical and they deserve to be. But anyways, what's your, what's your current take?
2: Yeah, so with channeling, it's like… It, it's tough because, you know, I made 25 Law of One videos. I made hundreds of Law of One videos, probably total. <laughs> and… Uh,
0: and I still love the Law of One. I think you, I think you can still love that and appreciate but, it for what it is.
1: Well, it's like there not it being is. religious, but you can still <laughs> learn from the teachings in the Bible and the different religions too, right? So,
2: yeah. What is the value
1: mm-hmm. of the Law of yeah. One life? Yes,
2: does it help me to live a more harmonious life? Even if this is what I'm think- thinking now, even if the Law of One was written by a man, even if it wasn't channeled, I would actually prefer for it to not say that it was channeled. Honestly, kind of a right. little bit, but you know, it's, my preferences are irrelevant. But even if <laughs> It is just, the a guy sat down and said, hey, this is channeled. Maybe they were imagining it. Maybe, well, they actually did Like sl- lay down on the table. You, there's pictures, and they recorded everything. So they did do this. So if yeah. Carla, the channeler, just br- made everything up, if she did, she is one of the smartest people I have ever, ever, ever well, that's where
0: I'm at, because I'm like, how does she know how to speak like this? And by the way, for anyone listening who doesn't know what the law of one is, uh, it's it's a channeled series of recordings where um, it was three people involved, right? Two yeah. interviewers and and one person who was hypnotized or, yeah, in a subconscious state being asked questions, mm-hmm. and she speaks, she is answering as raw. So raw is... A sixth emanation density, of source, yeah, six density, yeah, six social memory complex, right, coming through her and speaking, and and Carla's just a regular person, and and the shit that she says is, I I, I can read you some. Well, of let's it, get but. into
2: the nitty gritty because I think it's important here. I I want this message to get out because I have seen that people on TikTok, specifically, let's talk about a guy named Museum of Tarot. We'll just call him out directly by name. He made videos yeah. that said that she got some like to, to insinuate during the video that it was a CIA um, kind of operation to confuse the public. OK, and to get them to think a certain way. And I'm like, oh, like this is around the time I was thinking about taking the law one out. I'm like, am I wrong? I could be wrong. I'll take it out if I'm wrong.
0: Right, uh, right. You're willing to be wrong, right.
2: And I've I've always been open. Hey, if I'm wrong, that's fine. I would rather let you know that I'm wrong. So right. I, I deep dove into his videos and he, he spe- most specific evidence is of this video of Carla and Jim talking about how they got this surgery. But it, they, he conveniently left out the part about what the surgery was because it didn't fit his narrative. His narrative was that they got surgery in, uh, in their tooth that could make them hear what basically like a walkie-talkie tooth is the easiest way to think about it. So somebody could just relate okay. to it. That's what he said that it was. And it, a bunch of people believe this. I got thousands of people that are telling me, Law of One, it's all BS. And um, so then I came across uh, Brian Scott, who I knew I had him on my podcast. He's the, one of the biggest Law of One creators on YouTube. Much bigger yeah, than I him. am on YouTube by a long shot. And I had him on my podcast and, and I am on his podcast. We talked about Law of One. Oh, and we both came to the conclusion of that whole episode is about the law of one and all of the intricacies of if it is fake. So I dedicated an episode to this topic, but I feel like, oh, crap. Like it, it could be that. So at, at the end of that video or that podcast, I sent out a message to people and I said, hey, if you have the original video or you have information about law of one being fake or real, send it to me. Sure enough. I got people that sent me the original video, because I could not find it, of the Law of One. You know, he was trying to say that it was this. If you watch the original video, they explicitly state in the video that they got this thing called psychic surgery, okay? Psychic surgery is a thing that was happening in around that time. It was like the 1980s-ish, where you would go to certain places like I think they went to South America and a psychic would do surgery on you like it, And they said specifically they were doing it because uh, she had kidney problems. So when they said that they had mm. surgery, it wasn't on a tooth. It was actually in the video referring to they got had a kidney issue and that a psychic went in and did surgery. So I actually messaged him and said, hey, can you send me the original video? Can you send me more evidence? I want to know if I'm wrong. Not never got a single reply. So I'm just saying you can't rely on TikTok creators who aren't giving you accurate interpretations as to say the law of one is legit or not. Now, Mm -hmm. there were other other things they're talking about. There were connections and it there and um I get it that it could or couldn't be. So at this point in my life. I'm not really talking about the law of one very much, and I probably won't super a lot going forward because I'm I'm into different things, you know, and you just get mm-hmm. interested. I'm not really interested because after you do something for a while, I don't know about you guys, but I start to like, what's the next thing? I'm always on mm-hmm. to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so more it's about the science of, and uh, skits and comedy and podcasts. So my final thought on that is, well, if it is... Let's say that he's correct. Let's say that uh, there was other evidence that was correct, and it was actually something where she had a walkie-talkie of some kind the What does the law of one provide in someone's life? like what is what is it actually what are the principles of the law of one? Is it something that is telling you to behave a certain way and if you don't, you'll burn. No, it explicitly states in law of one. you don't need to know about the law of one. If you don't know about it, that's fine. You don't need to read this, and w- many people won't. But they're still giving us concepts like, oh, well, if you're 50% or more in service to others, you move on to the next density. Okay, so I just have to be more loving than I'm not. I think it's a beneficial thing
3: for people
2: to just do. And so also the understanding of there are negative beings that are what people call evil you could even think of these as demons in a sense uh, if they're from higher densities they'd give us a scientific kind of explanation of what those could be and so not saying it's ultimate truth and i actually had this conversation with another prominent creator uh on the law of one if you guys have ever heard of marco Nopolo,
3: Mm-mm.
2: um he's Mm-mm. he's bigger than i am on tiktok he's got like 600 700,000 He talks about Law of One a lot. And I got on the phone because I'm actually going to do an in-person podcast with Marco soon. And dude asked me the same question. He's like, do you think the whole, the all of Law of One is legit? Is it all
0: made up? Is it (laughs)
2: all legit? Like, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, hey, I think there's elements that could be true, but I'm not. I'm not really convinced that everything is 100% the truth. Anything, really. And there's mm. nothing to me that is like this is absolute fact. And we we I kind of we both kind of agreed on the same thing. So I'm not the only one that says this that it's like there are aspects of it that yeah, it is probably beneficial for us, but we don't know if it's 100% facts.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, it's just like what you said about the Bible in your book, right? How this was a lot, um, you know, a really long game of telephone, you know, and translation. Yes. And, um, yeah. you know, that there was even mistranslations. And it's been, like, totally, no- like, noted. Like, yeah, this was totally not translated correctly. By but other like, translators. Go- they're
2: like, this shit yes, sucks. Yeah,
0: but, <laughs> yeah, like, but we're just going to go with what it. The fuck? Right? So... I- that's crazy. I think it really—it's oh, I, I, crazy, I to yeah. Ask if
2: I can swear on this podcast, I'm sorry. Oh, you totally can. Oh, okay, you're, you're fine. I It
0: blows my mind. The Bible
2: does too, in that sense. It
0: blows my mind, but I still—I still think it has utility. Yes, it does. Right, 100%. like just—just just like the law of one, and so that—that's kind of where I'm at with everything now. Where. I don't need to verify everything. It's more just like, does it help? Mm-hmm. Like, does it, does it help? Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, I used to be so obsessed with knowing like, um, things like, oh, is it better to eat before I work out or like after I work out? Right. Like, oh, is it good to drink coffee or bad to drink coffee? And I'd be like, I'd be crazy. I'm like researching I'm like if it actually that. is better. <laughs> yeah. Like met- metabolic, metab- metabolically, like, is this better yeah. or worse? But like, I just decided to like try it with my own body. I'm like, does this help? And you know what? I did stop drinking coffee for like 14 months and like it didn't really help. Mm. And I I started to reincorporate it back a little bit and I feel completely fine. And I'm like, I guess that that answers that. Like I don't need to go on Google and figure out if this is or isn't true, right? Because everything's going to be different for you. And so, you know, this… I really like how where we've gone with this, which is really like, does it really matter Mm. if that is the truth or if that's false? Like, does it serve you in your life?
2: I think there is value though. (laughs) And there is value to kind of push back on. There is value in in the neuroscience of things. For example, I did find out that… You know, I've been doing a lot of research on coffee myself. And I found out that there's this… this molecule called adenosine or adenosine, however you want to pronounce that. And Mm -hmm. in the morning when you wake up, your body naturally kind of gets rid of adenosine within the first hour, two hour and a half. Now, adenosine, what it does is it makes you feel tired. So it kind of starts to go away. But if you drink coffee, it inhibits your your body's ability to Mm. get rid of that molecule. So it stays in there. And so that's why around 2, 3 p.m., we feel tired because that adenosine, the caffeine starts to wear off and the adenosine starts to... Come on, be at the forefront, and that's why we feel tired. So then Mm. when I once I knew that, hey, okay, here's a neuroscience of it. What's happening within my and within the just science in general, what's happening in my body? Because it's not just neuroscience, but just the science of it, it's like, okay, well, that is beneficial for me to know. I think what you're saying of like, hey, it is right or wrong to do it this way. Absolutely. But I do think that there is Mm -hmm. also benefit of like, this is the science of why this is. But we don't need to get lost because in human design, I'm an indirect light and you can't explain that scientifically at all because if you told someone from the science community, I'm going to stay up later because it's, I have more energy. They're like circadian rhythm. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) It's like, bro, you know what I'm saying? So not everything is explainable, but I do think that it is nice to know the science behind things and the more evidence we have of it, the better, which is something that I'm interested in exploring continually.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. No, and I, I actually, did you get that from the Huberman lab? The thing about the adeno scene? I, I remember reading about that as I've well. I've been
2: really watching Andrew Huberman. I've been watching a lot of his yeah. stuff. I really admire Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman, both of them. They And I think that their ability to relay hard concepts is very interesting. So to anyone who wants to know more about that, yeah, Andrew Huberman, Huberman lab.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're obviously just very very passionate about understanding the secrets and workings of the body and the mind and yeah, there's totally a lot to learn there. But yeah, I'm my journey right now really is just about using my own body and mind as the experiment because sometimes I wonder if I create those situations for myself just by reading so much. You know, like mm. the thing about the oh the ninety minutes. Like I was like okay, but now I'm like worried about that. Am I creating it? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like before I knew it, like it didn't really matter. Like I would just wake up and do what I do. But and I, I never experienced the crash around two to three p.m. But then like yesterday, I like kind of noticed it. And I was like, is that because I had the coffee? You know what Let's I mean? It's like I'm just yeah, negative. Effects. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's ex- That's why I feel like sometimes knowing nothing is like the easiest. And honestly, like an ignorance, it's bliss, po- like, you know, perspective. Like I'm not Choose. I can't even choose that if I wanted to. But you know, some people they just kind of go through life like, yeah, I don't know, and like they're just at peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: just- hey, that's one way to do it. You know, if that's what it helps, is, one way if to do it you, I mean, hey, don't placebo yourself into negative things because you're like, oh, it is this way. And I, that's why I've, I've said a lot in my work that not all bodies are created the same. A lot of people think, well, human no. bodies, yeah, they might look different, might be different height, but generally, everything on the inside is the same. But
0: Well, and especially men versus women. Like coffee affects us differently. Yeah, for sure. Believe… Yeah, like… I do believe you. Food. (laughs) Food affects us differently. Like everything. Working out. Literally everything. everything. I know. So My girlfriend
2: tells me, you know, that she's basically like four different people sometimes. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, I I am four different for sure. People. Literally,
2: <laughs> depending Literally. on
0: the season. right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Depending on the season. Exactly.
2: So, hey, oh I, I, I I've I've seen it in, in my own life. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder what is going on. Are we still working? Like is it still good? We go- are we still good? Like are we? Good? Are we good? It is. Just, she always tells me when it comes to like the fall part, like right before the old winter.
1: I'm just yeah, like the that. old winter.
2: I'm just like that, and I'm just you know she doesn't. She, you know, the, the, the winter season for her is not terrible. So it's more about like the fall. Like we it's it's the fall. very it's the kind fall. of aloof. And and so I knowing that I think it's important for in relationships because you can understand, oh, it's just this, that's just how it is right now. And you've got to decide in your relationship, mm-hmm. is that worth it? But um, mm-hmm. you know, how bad. But I mean, we also don't want to use excuses to be more this way because of the body, which is what a lot oh, of people do. That's so it can hard. be men, it can be women. It, there's different things like um, so I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm just saying anytime you have like it is this time during this time of people can are susceptible to like being more that way because there's already a reason to be that way. Kind of like what you're there's saying. There's permission. Fucking, exa- yeah, that's the word. Exactly. Right.
0: Oh, that's so hard. I, I, I'm I with Jesse, yeah. right? Your girlfriend. I, I'm with her. Like, I, I'm i just a little different <laughs> depending <laughs> depending on the time of the month. And I wouldn't say, like, I use that to justify, but it's like, but I'm like, but things are changing like inside sure. of me. Like, I'm like, I'm just, it's, it's kind of like just, I don't know. I'm a being of nature. I'm a lunar being. Like, I can't control it, but I don't want to use that as an excuse to be like, you but know. But sometimes it's just the fact of the matter. Like, that is what's happening. Right. But I think, I it do is. think
1: that, of course, it is a fine line where some people would use that as more of an excuse or permission to keep going.
2: Yeah, and by the way, I don't really see that that much in relationships. Uh, personally, I see it more in astrology. <laughs> people uh, using that's more when I'm thinking about the, mm-hmm. the thought of like people using permission. Not usually like that from my experience. But I have. I'm not a relationship guru by any means. But more astrology I see people using this time of the year means this and I gotta be this or I'm this because of this. It just ends up being a head trip. I've seen actually, I'm just going to come out and say it. I have seen, I know that Sam, you study astrology. So, Hey, uh, I'm not trying to rag on you, but I've out of all the systems and I would love for you to fire back at me and hit me with your thoughts. Mm. I push back a little here. I have seen astrology be one of the worst systems to use to understand the nature of this reality because it's so distorted in terms of the different types of astrology. It was created so long ago, just like the Bible. So there's sidereal, there's Vedic, there's uh, Tropical. And so what the hell is actually going on uh, in terms of like what people are? But to contrast it, astrology can be very helpful when we actually look at the stars and what they're doing at that moment and what that could possibly mm-hmm. bring in. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's all bad, but I've seen it be more beneficial for people to study human design, gene keys, uh, freaking... Uh, I've seen more success in those. And then also numerology has been something that I've seen because of the math aspect. So what are your thoughts on
0: interesting astro-
2: astrology in general?
0: So, so what I love about astrology so much is that it really gives you the permission slip to be fully you right? Like I think when you really understand the matrix of your chart, the unique matrix that is you, it's not a permission slip to like be all the negative parts of you, but it really helps you understand like why like, okay, like in astrology, we talk about like the low and the high road of a sign. So for example, like the high road of Aries is, you know, ambitious, adventurous, leader, Mm -hmm. um, bold, courageous. This is my sun sign and moon sign. But the low road is like like anger, you know, short-sighted, tempered, mm, controlling, bossy, right? So there's a low and a high road to each of these signs. And so what we're finding, usually what you're looking for in a reading, if you just want to know more about yourself, is kind of like you're looking for like, why am I the way that I am? right or like you know what what's kind of on the horizon for me and then you might learn that oh well because of these different aspects for example like oh your your sun is square your mars that means you're you're just generally a bit more feisty but a great way to kind of tame that is by putting your energy into something physical right um or being a leader in a group of some sort you know organizing things right so that's 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 energy that's being misdirected and so i think it helps people understand the parts of themselves that they've shamed, Right, we all have a shadow, uh, parts of us that we don't like. Like, for example, I I do tend to get very like bossy and like ill-tempered and angry. And those are things I haven't liked about myself. But when I learned more about the chart, um, my unique chart and the way that the elements kind of coalesce, I'm like, oh, like that, that's gonna be like, a trigger for me in general, but this is the best way to direct that so I can take the high road of that sign. And so if I find that for me, like astrology is the full cosmic permission slip to be yourself, not in the tyrant sort of way, but it helps you understand, okay, these are the ways in which I have negatively embodied these signs or aspects. But there are ways for me to positively embody those. So it kind of offers forgiveness to those parts of you mm-hmm. that have not shown up in the ways that you've wanted to. Um, and then really it helps you shine and sort of highlight the parts of you that that you know to be true, right? Like you, like you've always known that you've got that, like, you know, for Gina, it's like that mothering sort of, you know, loving, nurturing spark within her. And then when she learns, well, it's because she's a cancer son with, you know, a Libra rising. She's like, oh, like that makes sense. I don't know. It just, it just offers you a little bit of reassurance. But at the end of the day, I think, I don't think astrology is the framework for understanding the nature of reality, but I think it is a very, age old, um, like, like thousands and thousands of years old system of complex pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So and that's really all it is. And so that's why we can see certain stereotypes, not always, right, because everyone's charts different. But, you know, that's why we see that. But I think that it's just a good way for me to understand myself. It's not about understanding the world, Mm. if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. So that's good. You passed the test. I asked you, you know, I saw that you guys were top one percent or whatever you are on Spotify now followed. top. You're, you're doing well. And I was like, hey, you know, at one point in this podcast, I have to ask a really blunt question because I don't know if they've ever gotten someone coming at them before. So I got to see. They got to be initiated into the podcast arena yeah. and have that debate yeah. for a second. And I got to see how they answer a hard question. That was a good answer.
0: Yeah, that was a great yeah. answer. Yeah. I- yeah i I love it because um it really helped me just forgive the shadow aspects and see that but the, the, they aren't bad. they were just um they just weren't being directed in the right way um and and if you've ever if you ever go deep into it, you know Stephen Forrest is a really talented astrologer, and he wrote a book called uh, the Changing Sky. And he talks about free will, actually, within astrology. And the way he describes that is by using transits. So he'll say something like, okay, um, Mars is going through the third house in the 1960s or something like that. And then he'll, he'll pull different, you know, historical figures from that time and how based on their chart, they embodied that. And there's someone who took the high road, say like a Martin Luther King, right? And then someone who in the exact same time during that transit took the low road right, and became a tyrant, Um, like Hitler, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like, this is how he is using astrology to describe not like, it's not like the the planet transiting is what's making you do that. It's more like it's activating that energy within you. Mm -hmm. And it's within your free will to discern whether you're going to take the high road, right, and do like a bold, courageous thing. Or are you going to take like, you know, violent rage route, right? That energy is going to be expressed some way somehow as that planet transits. But how you move with that is is really up to you. That's his argument on free will.
2: So have you looked into sidereal astrology?
0: No, I, I mainly study esoteric. So I'm interested.
2: Well, sidereal astrology actually says that the astrology that everyone uses is completely wrong. And there's actually 13 signs. And
0: oh, yes, I've heard that, and I don't like this because it like totally ups up my chart. And I'm like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> See, that's my, that's my thing with astrology, just to, to kind of finish that off. I it's hard for me when I look at anything that is not something where we don't have the original source. That's what I liked about Law One, it's what I like about Gene Key, it's what I like about. Um, I, I'm not. Numerology is a little questionable. We do have a little bit of the sources in numerology. So I'm like on the fence with that too. But I've seen that in, in human design is also original. But then you also have the faith of like it's channeled, um, that type of thing that cause somebody's came up with this. So um that's the thing about astrology for me, is it's like it was created such a long time ago. There's so many different what it could be, how many signs is there? Uh there's evidence mm. for it being distorted by the church to trick everybody into thinking that there's only 12 and there's 13 and and that would mess everybody up and they think they're this but they're actually this so uh i'm not trying to rag on astrology but i'm just trying to say hey i don't well we don't know what the origination of it is but i do think if it is helpful to for you to uh relieve some shadow aspects just like if someone used carl jung's psychological system and there's the mm-hmm. persona and if you see oh there's a persona that i have but there's a self underneath that could be helpful and maybe if the more dialed in astrology is helpful to you then so be it i mean i was just kind of kidding when i said it was the worst um <laughs> so i'm just saying don't get insulted <laughs> me because i said that it was i, I had but it's a reason the, it's
0: the worst it's the worst for you because it's the least helpful right
2: yeah I'm not saying it's the worst for everyone, but in my experience, exactly, I, I was joking in that sense. So, if anybody's salty yeah. because I was talking some shit about Australia, just relax. <laughs> we're just messing around a little <laughs> but bit here. But like I'm still you can't kind of, even believe that's what I'm saying. Comedy, right? We're kind of we're learning how to joke and and at the same time say some truth for myself.
0: Yeah. It's, it's all hard. play. It's all play. But I think what anyone's learning from this conversation really is just, you know, be the judge for sure. yourself. Does it help you? You know, I, I even think about, this is so simple, but like when I ask people like, oh, where was your favorite place that you traveled to? Right. They'll be like, oh, like, you know, Portugal's the best. And I'm like, but what are you basing that on? Is that based on like, you know, the food, you know, like the things that you saw, you know, I, I can't actually discern if that's going to be the best for me. Right. So, you know, Take everything with a grain of salt. Try for yourself. You know, dabble with all these different modalities and frameworks, and just see what works for you. Like astrology, for me, was just the the piece that helped me. Honestly, it sounds so cheesy, but just like love myself more, and not just me, but everyone else in my life. As soon as I started mapping out their charts, I was like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> I think astrology like,
1: also helps you to see all the different colors of you, because I think before I really got into astrology, I you kind of feel like you are a million different people, a lot of different personalities. There's all these different versions of you and astrology kind of helps to map that all out. And I'm like, oh, so that is all me,
0: you know? So I feel like
1: it helps to kind of... I I guess, define certain characteristics and and maybe the way that you respond to things. And our astrologer, Ocean, she does such a phenomenal phenomenal job of explaining it very mathematically. So I would love to get you guys in the same room together. But she always talks about wearing a cosmic raincoat, that it's not necessarily going to predict everything that's going to happen, which is why I was averse to astrology at first, because I didn't want to know, oh, this is going to be a hard season of your life, because then it's like the placebo effect or that self-fulfilling prophecy, but she teaches it in a different way where it's more just so that you can prepare that raincoat or prepare that umbrella just in case and just to be aware of maybe what is energetically and cosmically going on um, so that you're just that one step ahead, I guess.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, hey, if it fits, it ships. If it works, it works. I'm not the one to tell you that it doesn't work for you. Uh, I see the same when you're talking about looking at charts and stuff, it reminds me of human design. Um, And human design is the same. They say to use your strategy and authority and you have a deconditioning process of, I think it is 10 years. It's not until 10 years after you study human design that you're actually starting to be deconditioned from society. So that's how Mm. long... Yeah,
0: because everyone's like conditioned to be a generator, right? Yeah.
2: Is that true? Well, I don't know if everyone's conditioned to a generator, but everyone has a level of conditioning by society. I think 70% of society is generators.
1: Yeah, I'm a generator. Me too.
0: Yeah. Are we all And united? I'm you're not. A projector, right? No, you're a
1: manifest. No. I think are, are you a manifesting generator? No, you're a pro- I'm a projector it. and I think the re- <laughs> really
3: I said projector. Okay, so the after after The reason
0: I want to know why you said that because the reason why I haven't resonated with human design is because when I read about projectors I'm like, I don't know. That's how I feel. And then and then I had actually um a human design it wasn't a reading, it was like a coaching session with other people and my business coaches in there and everyone was like asking me to recheck my my chart. They're like, "Are you sure you're a projector?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm so sure because this is the same date and time that my birth chart is based on." But like everyone in the group was like, "I don't feel like you're a projector." So I that's why I haven't dived in deeper because there there was no resonance when I was reading about it, but I'm kind of curious to know what why you thought that? Cuz I saw you post about it one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I don't know an old gra- grandiose example for you. I just saw it one time on your stories or some shit. shit. It's like, how did you
1: know, Nick? How did you have that <laughs> intuition? You know? Do you, you want like, it? Gone. I could have done it. Yeah. I
2: could have done it. I thought about it. I'm like, I saw it when I saw this thing about you. It's like, nah, bro, I just saw your stories or something.
0: Oh, I love that. I don't know. I, you, I've, I've been wanting to ask you more about it, but you've been studying for how long? Two, two Two and a half years. Mm. And you really feel like it's helps you understand just your. You said your strategy and your authority, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the. So what what does this mean?
2: What do those words mean? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So
0: yeah, like what 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 does that mean? To, what does that translate into in your daily? life? So you life? have a
2: strategy for going about life, and you have authority as your authority type. So if you know both, you like your authority type might be beneficial for you to understand and then you strategize your life around that authority. Just like if I'm six foot four, I'm going to duck through the the door when I go certain doors and certain Airbnbs like I've had to because they're too (sighs) tall. So to know I'm six foot four and that door is going to hit me, it's like, that's beneficial. So I think that's, I mean, that might be a shitty example, but that's like kind of how I see it. It's like now that I'm into it and I've used it, I have met so many people and it's gonna sound exactly how you guys probably feel about astrology, but I've, whenever I I've done a lot of in-person podcasts now and and just in general podcasts, and that's the best place for me to really like experiment because you know you meet people and it's like kind of you can tell, but when you because there's a lot of not self going on in human design, um, there's this thing called not self which is basically just yeah. people yeah. aren't actually what their chart is and you might not feel like it because you're so. Uh, you're so out of alignment with what you're supposed to be acting and and strategizing as. So that's Mm. why a lot of people are, like I know people personally that are not self and you can see where they're not self and you can see that that actually causes them an issue. Each each type has an issue, like projectors is bitterness, right? Uh, Manifesting generator like me, it's frustration, anger, frustration, these type of things. And so I've seen that play out in people. And and so how it has helped me is just the each authority and each type has a specific way that it's supposed to interact with the world. And so as a manifesting generator, me, I'm going to respond. It's mm-hmm. a way that I interact with the world. And every single time that I don't initiate, because manifestors are initiating. And so when a manifestor initiates... That's the way they're like reaching out and they're coming up with ideas on the spot. I'll tell you right now, I've, I've seen it play out in my content so much. I cannot come up with ideas out of nowhere. Um, it's just something that I, it's not ever been intuitive mm. to me. Um, I, I would say actually during the night right before bed and right when I wake up, It can happen, but then I'm responding Mm -hmm. to an idea that I feel like I didn't come up with. To me, there's no me coming up with an idea. There's me responding Mm. to ideas that might actually be come to me. That's a whole other conversation about how the field brings you ideas and inventions and things like that. But every time that I initiated and I just wasn't responding, I would have peril. It would just not work out. And every Mm. time that I just waited... And I felt it in my body because in human design, there's—I guess we should have talked about this at the beginning—but what makes you your type is the amount of energy centers that you have uh, activated or not, or defined or not—is the exact terminology. So you have nine energy centers in human design, and so if I'm a manifesting generator, that's going to mean I have an engine—is what it's called. There, there's certain energy centers that are engines. So I have uh, what's called a sacral. Uh, defined, which means that it makes me a manifestation generator. So I have the ability to respond, and what that means is like if people who are, might look up the chart after this, if you're a manifestation generator, what that's going to feel like is when somebody asks me something, or they say something to me, I can feel it in my body if it's a yes or no. Now, a projector, I actually just had a conversation because my girlfriend is a projector. We just had this conversation again. Occasionally, we have to have this conversation because as a generator, I'm susceptible to talking to other people like they are a generator, which is yes or no questions. But she does, as a projector, yeah. does not like yes or no questions. It's very dialed in specific of like invitations. I'm going to invite you to do this. And what, are, what is your thoughts and guidance on this versus yes or no? So... That's what yeah. I've seen play out. It works really well in our relationship when I remember to do that and I do do <laughs> that. And so I've seen, you know, my body, a great example. Maybe some people might consider this crude, but I think this is something that you just realized after people that have done podcasts will understand. Um, maybe people that haven't had to tell people no won't understand. Maybe they will. I'm not going to judge what people are going to think about this because it's projection. So... Mm-hmm. Recently, I've been trying to coordinate more in person podcasts, and I've had people that I've wanted to have out and I thought I wanted to have out. I would get on the phone with them, talk to them about coming out, and then all of a sudden they might say one thing, and it's just like, immediately no. (laughs) It's just in in your body, body, it's just like, no. I, I, it's just like, immediately no, immediately no. I see what I've needed to see. Like mm. I'm, I'm referring to that meme if people get that reference, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's literally what it feels like. I've seen what it, it's like. You know, the thing kind of threw me off. Just so people don't think I'm like rude or annoying in person, the guy said he wanted to stay with me, and I'm like, I've just met you. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like, I, I I don't like having people I've never met and stay in my house. And so <laughs> immediately now, logically, you could come to that conclusion too. Of course, like if someone says that, it, right, be right. But it was also in my body a visceral, like, this is done. And I told him, I'm not interested in doing the podcast anymore. It's just a feeling in my body. And it was true. It really was a feeling in my body of, like, I can feel when I want to talk to people when I don't. And it's not like it's something that can remain the same for all times.
3: Mm. Like,
2: Sam, we were trying to meet up for a podcast, and then I had 90 things scheduled. And I was like, Mm -hmm. This is gonna happen at some point, but this is just not right now. And then mm-hmm. it just didn't end yeah. up happening. But I think that it's still going to happen. And there's no like specific like reason besides, you know, there's so much going on with trying to go from Texas to California, hit these podcasts, talk to this people. And um, it's nothing personal, but I think that's one thing that human design does for me. It allows me to like say, Hey, I can't do this right now. This isn't something for me right now because I can feel it in my body. And the more that I do that, because I have pushed against that, I went to New Mexico to, to do a podcast because Jesse knew some friends. I was not apt on going and I did not want to go, really. Uh, I mean, I, my mind was like, ooh, he's a human design expert. This would be cool. Then they ended up breaking. You went against, went against it.
0: You went against the I knew feeling. And my
2: body was a no. And, and we went. And the guy ended up breaking up with his girlfriend and he couldn't even do the podcast. And so I was like, that was like almost evidence for me of like, I knew I didn't. And all of us know that if you're a generator, at least that you have that feeling of like, I don't know-ness. Now I think projectors still have that. It's just not maybe a yes or no. It's, it may look different. In the specific nuances of like, maybe yeah. it's more of a like it. It feels like there's not an engine turning off or a red light green light like it is.
0: I don't have that. I, I I I have felt so dumb throughout my life because I can't sense like danger or threat or anything like that. Like I'm kind of like a bit oblivious. I've had to learn that logically. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been in a lot of dangerous situations without realizing it because I don't, I don't have that like. I'm serious. I don't have that like internal alarm well, you system know what that's like is. this I is sketchy.
2: There's actually also if you are a projector, this is what it is. There's th- things called aura types in human design. Any generator is actually much more adept to sensing danger because the aura type is actually like a radiation. Projectors Mm. have like a it's what's called a like what I call a laser. So you're laser focused on things. Uh. So like of course you can't sense danger because in human design you're binoculared in on this one thing that you're doing and you can't sense it. But as a generator, I notice this and we've noticed this at restaurants. We've played around with this. I will be able to like sense what's happening around me, like very Mm -hmm. like without trying. Oh my
0: god, my partner. Yeah, without trying, I'm just like.
2: This person's looking at me. This is what's happening. But she can't tell when anyone's looking at her or nothing. She's just dialed… Because again, she's a projector. So she's like blinders. That's
0: me. So that's something that I've kind of seen. So, Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, because I've tried to uh, pay attention more to my surroundings. (laughs) But like I will… I I have so many times like almost walk into traffic. Like that's just… But that's just like people just think that's like a Sam thing. Like, oh, she's not paying attention. But like I just… I don't have… That sort of surround sound aware, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, the whole human design.
1: Because um, I am a generator too, and the whole responding thing. Once I learned that, that helped me make decisions so much better. And because you can just listen into that inner intuition of like, what does this feel like? Because I have, even with this podcast with Sam and I, we I've I've said yes to things that feel like a major no, and then like you said, it ends up blowing up in your face, and you're like, oh, I knew that. All along. So I do like that aspect of human design and also like the initiating because I, it's that's the part that confuses me though, because I do feel like I am an an initiator, but maybe that's... Are you a
2: generator, pure generator? Yes. Okay. So I, it depends on like what you mean by initiating. Um, Like, give me an example.
1: I guess thinking of ideas and wanting to start new things. So I'll think of a million ideas, but I do have problems actually starting them. Okay.
2: What is your right, what are your but I'll lines? Get the idea. Like, uh, what does everybody that mean? has lines? Like, th- my lines are three, five. I'm a three line and a fifth line, which means uh, I'm a experimenter, which means I'm mm. always experimenting with new ideas. It's, it's known for the trial and error. Now, there are other lines, like the sixth line is a roof line, which means you're on the roof for like starting at a certain age, you go on the roof, and it's this whole thing. So the lines mm. actually do have to play into it. It's not. Human design is the one, it is, okay, I'm not even going to say one. It is the most complex thing that exists that I have ever come across. And I've studied an absolute shit ton of things. There is thousands of different interpretations of the lines and there's different nuances to your brain. You actually have four parts to your brain and they're either left or right. And so I'm four parts right, which means I'm passive brain. And if you're four parts mm. left, you're actually active brain. And that that also plays into the nuances of it. So, and there's channels. If you actually again, if you want to throw a human design chart up during this podcast, if it's video, right, then you can see like a chart and you can look at. Oh well, there's channels that are half linked, and it's like there's a red line, and that most of them are red. And so there's a center. There's a line. That line. If you have a full channel, it's also going to change how you interact with the world. Like I have, for mm. example, certain lines of one Jesse always tells me is I have the money line. And um, so the uh. there's different lines that have different channels. There's hundreds. I wouldn't say hundreds. There's probably a, at least a hundred different lines. And there's also incarnation crosses, which everybody has a different Ooh. cross. And the cross has a different uh, thing. Like uh, there's a the cross of determination. There's a the cross of... Uh, penetration, which means you're pen- you're meant to penetrate the masses and re- give them a message mm. of some sort. So that's why Mine I'm not is, always um, nuanced. Or that's why I'm not. It's not like all one size. That makes sense. I just pulled out yeah. my chart
1: here. So my incarnation cross is left angle cross of demands. That mm. I don't know what that means. But the profile, is that what you were talking about in terms of the numbers? Yes. The 3-5 you said. So I'm a 6-2. Okay.
2: Got it. So that's that's also going to play into, and um, I could absolutely spend all day <laughs> going into. Oh my this gosh,
1: stuff. I want to talk to you so bad about this because I've wanted to really delve deeper into it. But like Sam said, it was just like I guess the initial exposure to it yeah. didn't fully resonate. But the more that I do learn about it, I'm like, oh, I guess that is what happened. So
2: I mean, I'm I'm just a guy from Michigan. I'm not an expert. <laughs> uh, <by laughs> <means>. So <laughs> I I'm actually I don't do readings because I'm not good enough to tell you. The, right the, but if you want to talk to Jesse's Jesse's oh yes. she's she studied it for years and she you know reads the books and do things
0: well she
1: get Jesse. yeah, on, yeah to talk we've about been human wanting design a human design person on nice so but oh, yeah so oh, yeah your lines oh, yeah.
2: are gonna play into effect and also I think there's a you can actually initiate once you respond um and so responding just literally means to, in, to me and people are going to describe this differently. If you have another expert on, they're going to describe it differently. But to yeah. me, what it means is I know when something when something is happening, I can feel it in my body and it's a yes or a no. And then I can do things with that. For example, I just got to tell you this random idea that I had last night that felt good. It might sound really weird to some people. It might sound funny to other people. I was about to fall asleep. My, some, I just my, I let my brain just do its thing when I fall asleep. I never have trouble sleeping because I just kind of let go. So I'm like watching and I'm observing and this thought comes in to do a skit of like if Andrew Tate was spiritual and like to do an improv of like what that could look <laughs> like. Like what the different aspects of what that could be in. And so I knew as soon as I got that idea, I don't know if I'm actually going to do the idea. That's just an example of like, because, you know, he's very masculine and do this, do that. Mm-hmm, if you just mm-hmm. were to take that and be like masculine with spirituality, what would it look like? So I thought it'd be funny. Uh, I kind of felt like a yes when that happened. But, you know, then for a generator, you'll get like a no. Like when when Mm -hmm. ideas aren't there. So you can still like come up with ideas and have things like that. That's not what I'm saying. That's the nuance of response specifically. I'd say that's what it is. Just listening to how your body feels. And I think Mm -hmm. that's been explored in many different areas. You know, spiritual people, a lot of times will just say, just listen to your intuition. That might actually just be how you're listening to your body. And, you know, my friend Indigo Bruno, he will probably tell you it's more your gut. Listen to your gut because your gut has its own mind and its own brain. And and so your your body might know in that way. So, again, a million different interpretations of the same phenomenon. Who knows what it is? That's just what I find useful. Use what works. Use what
0: works. Listen to your bod. (laughs) Yeah, listen to your bod. It's like, it's funny because these are just such um, obvious pieces of wisdom that we've heard throughout our life, you know, like, trust your gut, you know, follow your heart gut instinct. yeah, follow your heart, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's, it, and then we just have these systems, or I guess scientific breakdowns, which is kind of what we talked about earlier, you know, used to kind of give language to and lexicon to these experiences. But
2: you're right, I mean, you could talk about Dr. Joe and his research on the heart, Heart Math Institute, and
0: how yes. you, your
2: heart's activated, you feel that energy, it's you got a field around your body. That's another yeah. example of like follow your heart, boom.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, or feel feel gratitude. It's like it's like we know that works, but like here's the science. Now it's like this is what gratitude does to your body, exactly. Right, and I and I guess people needed to see that in order in order to believe it. But um, yeah, he's he's incredible and bringing so much science to inspiration. Things that yeah, Yeah, all the esoteric wisdom. Yeah,
2: because you know the one phrase demystifying the mystical, I might actually put that in my bio.
0: <laughs> it's just
1: so Ooh, good. I love that. It's
2: That's what he said before. And as yeah. soon as I heard that, again, I'm not coming up with the idea, but as soon as I heard it, it's like, boom. And uh, that's really what I see my work to kind of be like demystifying these things that we think are like, are the chakras real? Well, there's actually research to show that there is real, but we don't have to get lost in the research mm. to determine whether yeah. something is real. And it, I think the more people can get that Frame of thinking, and they, not just get it, but also embody it, and, and try that yeah. out because that feels really good to me, and it allows me to live from this perspective of. Because when I feel certain, it's a human design thing. I have an open head. If you if you want a human design explanation, open heads are usually uncertain. <laughs> That's I mean, mm. you could explain it and using systems, but in general. I just feel like the more certainty I try to put on things, it's like, is that just like, is that real certainty? Like people commented on my video on Moon Knight and how, I don't know if you guys saw that, that maybe what we believe determines where we go in the afterlife. Because that's what Moon Knight, the show, was Mm. saying. It's actually not like the same for every person or all humans. Like you go here if you believe it. And so in Moon Knight, he goes to the place where he thinks that he's going to go. And so... I had Christians commenting, you know, that's not it. You, you can expect that at this point online, but I think yeah. that you know, there's nothing wrong with thinking that way. It's just as though I think any certainty that we have about the afterlife if it's like 100% factual like a lot of people think, it can become culty and it can become something that um will actually cause people more fear than actually freedom. And I think that if we start to look at maybe these systems, like you said, have beauty and value, like love others, treat them as you would yourself. Absolute facts. Like we can understand that that is helpful. And I mean facts like in the metaphorical sense, not actually facts, but it's it's actually beneficial to living a harmonious life. It's not all bad. And mm-hmm. I was raised Christian, so I'm not saying that it's all bad. But what I am saying is that, hey... Like I said, in my book, you know, it could be mistranslated. What if the ten commitments yeah. were actually the ten commitments, you know? Mm. And so that's something that came from conversations with God, the book, and He explored that that could be. Hey, if you commit to God, maybe this is this is how you'll feel. This is how you'll act. This is what you'll do, or this is, and maybe it was completely different because if you think about this, this is, this is really fascinating to me. Because how how many billions of people base their belief and identify as, I'll say Christian, because that's my background. And I think yeah. it's I want to be researched before I talk about other things. If I find evidence in Islam, I will still talk about it, but I don't have mm-hmm. the evidence in front of me or off the top of my head. Because I'm not reading from a script or anything. You know, I just don't have it memorized. So if we look, like I said in my book, we look at the translators that had translated the Bible. There was certain translators that translated into the ones we know today. Um, the, you know, there's the King James Version. There's the... Uh, the
1: NIV. NIV,
2: yes. So a lot of these translations began a long time ago. And one of the first groups to translate it, there was a guy that was known as the translator. He was the guy that you came mm-hmm. to if you wanted something translated. And he wasn't included. Because he wanted to do a literal translation. Now, a literal translation is yeah. like a word for word. The, there's yeah. not a context change based on the opinion of the person. But what mm-hmm. we know from so- the evidence that I've seen is that that's actually not what happened. The, what actually happened was it was translated contextually instead of um, contentually, if that's a word. So what that means is that if someone said commandments... Let's just use an example. This is not going to be true for the specific example for this example because I don't remember the exact. But there is the thought that, hey, if there is, if we look at Hebrew and there are other languages, there's not direct translations for some words. So what word are they going to translate it to? So if there's if there's the word commitments, let's we've been talking about that. Let's talk about it again. If there's commitments, Mm -hmm. was the original word, and there's no English word for commitments, let's just say again hypothetically, then you have options like if you go if you go type in synonyms for commitments, there's going to be plenty, but you know that if you take commandments and you say suggestions, those are going to be different. (laughs) Those (laughs) are going to be very different, and I'm not saying again that's the truth for that scenario, but the amount of times that that is possible that it happened or did happen in the Bible could completely change the meaning. You know, the whole council of Nicaea, I mean, I could go into that, how they would decided, was Jesus God or was he a man? And it was like the whole council of Nicaea was based on, is he God or is he a man? They decided he was a God, but there was plenty of Christians before that that thought he was just a man. And so, what determines that? And they basically outlawed you, they exiled you if you thought he was just a man who became one with God. Or, or yeah, that's it. And then was he God? Do you become one with God? A man that became one with God? Or did he actually become God? Because there's a difference. Or was he God when he came down? Because if he was God when he came down, like us, then he would be very different and nobody could achieve that level. And it would mm-hmm. like put him on a pedestal and make him this being that nobody else could be like but it seems as though we find in many different traditions um, and evidence, historical evidence across the world that, hey, he could have been just a man who attained this state just like the Buddha, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. like Krishna, just like these other beings. And that's why I think in the spiritual community we say, hey, maybe he was just a spiritual master. Maybe he was an enlightened Mm -hmm. being because there's Mm -hmm. a difference because that's attainable by everyone. And I think we see with the church that in my opinion, this is just my opinion, that was deliberately done so that people didn't believe that they could be like him, even though he says yeah. in the Bible, I don't remember the exact verse, but he says, you are not going to be me. You're going to do things greater than me. There are specific verses that he says these type of things. What does that mean? And so if we start to think, well, why did they put him on a pedestal? Was he actually that? Is it consensus or was it a government that decided that for them? And I'm not saying that the government is necessarily bad in, in a sense, in all, because I'm not, uh, that's not how I view the world, that all governments inherently are like that. But were there certain reasons why they decided to, to make it that way? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. And I'm not saying that's the truth, but I'm saying that it could be that way. Hey. So if we can open up to, hey, what is my experience when I take this perspective that I need to have a savior? In order to save me, and, I, and um, that is something unattainable based on the story. Is there, maybe it is true? There is some truth to it, and you know the Buddha and certain enlightened beings also said this is getting really esoteric now that they started to say that. There are ascended masters in other planes and you can call on them and you have mm-hmm. your own kind of ascended master that you've like chosen as like the Godhead, but they're all Godheads. They're all the head mm-hmm. of the same mind, which is the same mind that we are, because it all is mental. So. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> We're just out
3: here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Just adding I don't know, I don't know <laughs> though. I don't know. Adding I don't know though <laughs> after everything. <laughs> no, but that um that that explanation of of Jesus was was really um that's where I got to where I was like, I, I think it's just been all mistranslated. He he was a man who was, you know, reached this enlightened state that's what we call Christ consciousness, yeah. right? And um people got confused, basically. Yeah. And then we're like, it's God, and we're like, but but then like we all are, right?
2: Yeah, and I didn't mean to discredit everything I said by saying I don't know, but yeah. I, I think that's just how I am these days. That it's like I don't want people to take me so seriously that they get upset that I'm saying, but you, but you can't control what people do. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what essentially what I'm saying. I guess that's a better way to say I don't know is to say think, but think for yourself. I'm gonna start using that. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for that.
0: Nick, holy crap. Thank you so much for just bantering with us, really. And just, yeah, just bringing your authentic self. I think if anyone listens to this, they get an idea of like, Nick is just this playful, um, you know, seeker. He's just a guy from Michigan. He's he's a guy from Michigan who's playfully seeking and looking for knowledge and spreading it and bringing joy. And um, Gina, do you want to ask our final question?
1: Yeah, I will. Before I ask the question, I will say that it's very approachable, mm. way, I, which I really appreciate. You're talking about extremely complex concepts and, you know, especially getting into religion. And you're talking about a lot of very touchy subjects that some people, like you said, might be offended. But what I like about your approach is that it, it is very um, I don't know. I was going to say user friendly, but I don't know <laughs> if that's the right term. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's approachable. It's approachable. Um, our final question, uh, which I think I'm so excited to hear your answer, um, but you know, our podcast is called Spiraling Higher, and we seem to see these common themes that each of us go through that um, we all yeah, struggle with, or that we cycle through these lessons, and I think it's really help for, for helpful for people to see people like you who also go through these cycles. Because I think sometimes when we heal or learn things, or we, you know, come out of a difficult situation, there's this conception that you're 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 never going to go through it again, or if you do, that you're going backwards. And so we like to talk about how healing is an upward spiral. So, is there a common theme in your life that you have have had to spiral through multiple times?
2: Okay, so I just want to start off with saying, I want to dissect the word healing for for this because I think it's important for me. Yeah, uh, I'm one that's very intentional about that word because I think that it's a, it's something that can be used when we are, let's say, healing from. Our body is di- like actually healing from something, mm-hmm. but the perspective that I have about healing in general is that I don't need to heal. If you want to call healing something where you you have a perception change, if you want to call that healing,
3: mm-hmm. then sure. Right.
2: Uh, to to me, it's like there are certain aspects that I spiral back to, and it's actually not as though I'm trying to escape it. I you've never seen me make anything escape the matrix Mm -hmm. you've seen me do it exit the matrix because I think there's a big difference in the word I say the word exit escape yeah (laughs) and exit and because exiting implies well I'm just going to exit this way of being because it no longer serving me yeah and and so when I'm spiraling back to certain things I'm actually more focused on not that I have this thought or that I have this feeling it's that what is my response to the thought and feeling being there? yeah, and then when I'm able to get myself and it actually has to do with my nervous system, when i a lot of times people will get triggered to the point where their nervous system becomes flighty mm-hmm. just because a thought or a feeling is present. So for me, I'm kind of having thoughts of like, for example, if you to have the humbleness, to say, during this podcast, I'm like, did I make some cringe jokes? I mean, you know, we have those thoughts come up. And I think, you know, to have the humility to say, hey, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And I'm spiraling back to like, well, why am I thinking that my jokes are cringe? Or Mm. why am I thinking that this isn't good enough? What was wrong with it? Mm. What was there something wrong with it? Or are you just developing a skill of learning how to joke on podcasts as a guest more? Because you don't go on as a guest very often. Mm -hmm. So, It's like I'm realizing that what I'm gaining as I continue life is the skills and I'm not gaining any worth.
3: Mm. The the worth
2: is not really a thing that is changing. It's really the skills of interacting with the world and with myself in a certain way. So I'll continually come back to like perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Did I do this right? I fucked up the Robert Grant podcast audio and I guilted myself a little bit or a lot of bit for a minute there thinking, you know, why didn't I take the extra time to do that? And then I just said, you know what? It is what it is. You can't change it. Mm
0: -hmm. You cannot
2: change that it happened. And YouTube doesn't allow you to change it either. (laughs) So all I can do is say, I learned from that. I am not going to spend all the time and the money to go there, to, to film it in person, and then to rush the editing. Yeah. Taking time, making things quality, and deciding it has nothing to do with me as a podcast. This doesn't define me as a podcaster. It doesn't define me as a person that this didn't go right. And actually, ironically, i commented on the video and I pinned it because you guys, if you guys have YouTube, um, you can do that. And I pinned like a comment of myself and I said, I'm so sorry about the audio. And so many people liked it. And they were like, it was great. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like people understand. So if you just have that humility yourself, of course, there's going to be people that don't understand. But under me as a content creator, also understanding that if people are going to judge you like in the negative and insult you, did you really care what they had to say? Because you already know their level of consciousness. Yeah. Anyways. yeah. You already know that if they're doing that to people, is that someone you're going to want to be around? Is that someone that, you know, whose opinion is actually trying to help you? Yeah. So just understanding the the human nature of creating things online... Kind of spiraling back to like this perfectionism that I think any content creator will struggle with mm-hmm. at some point and realizing you can just really do the best that you can with what you've got. And if you feel like you could have done it better, then just do it better next time. That's all yes. you can do. Don't get don't talk shit about yourself because the more you become your best friend
3: mm-hmm. it,
2: or how you would want a best friend to treat you, if you literally have that relationship, Kind of like that or even if you have a relationship with like your mind is kind of like a pet. Yeah. Your mind wants to do things. Your mind wants to tell you that this is it's going to bark at you. You know, when you're doing things that you don't think are that it doesn't want to do like in the cold plunge is like my head is screaming at me. That's what it feels like. So I think spiraling back to the part in the podcast where I said doing things that are difficult allows me to generate that resilience. Yeah. And that resilience is also translated into how I see myself.
0: Mm. huge. Yeah, if you see yourself as someone who can do hard things, then guess what? You do a lot of hard things.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think for you guys too, you had to start to see yourself as podcasters. Mm-hmm. And that we're good podcasters. <laughs> and once you start to see that, you may not be the greatest at the beginning, but the more that you see that, the more that you start to see things that don't align with that, you're gonna stop doing those. Like a good podcast host for me isn't gonna rush the edit. They're gonna, they're gonna do it right and they're gonna make sure everything is high quality as possible. That's what it means on one end, the technical aspect. Now, conversation aspects are different. I'm sure you guys have had your own things where you're like, oh, I could have said that better, I could have worded that better. So okay. just realizing, hey, I can just continue to develop skills instead of. I don't have to become worthy. I don't have to become a better person. I just develop in the way that I want to experience life. What do I want to experience? Harmony. Maybe you want to experience love. Continually moving in that direction, not needing the destination to validate me being a certain way in order to feel that beforehand
3: Mm -hmm.
0: or
2: during the process.
0: I love that so much. You don't have to become a better person. You just need to develop more skills
2: for whatever you want to do because I think that what we're what we're actually doing is the world isn't really lacking uh, I think good people mm. it's not I th- I think most people are inherently good and that's just a perspective that I've seen and I really see people as lacking skills because skills sometimes are hard to develop and then they think that because I don't have this skill I'm not a good person yeah. mm. like I, I will coach people one on one specifically. And I'm actually doing a challenge at the beginning of the year that is directly about developing skills on how to post online. Mm. Because I think that that's what's missing. I think people can know that they want to do this, but then they think, I'm not worthy. Well, no, no it's like, well, you need just, the skill. if you want to play basketball, you just got to practice play shooting the ball. I'm still trash at basketball, but I developed skill if I wanted to be. I could be better if I wanted to be. And it doesn't mean that better is in I'm not a good enough per it doesn't define me as a as a character. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like, make it mean and, something and about you. It just exactly. People start to persona they like take this personal aspect to doing new things as if it has something to do with them as a person when they're just trying to learn how to do something. And I think especially with content creation, and I know you guys are big into you know manifestation, these things. It's like, hey, if we're just going to develop the skill of manifestation, we're just developing the skill of actually not scrolling on social media and listening to uh, a subconscious mind. Uh, maybe it's a meditation at night and I'm just going to do that. It's hard to do. It doesn't mean that I'm not worthy if I don't do it. It's just like, if I want this, I'm gonna I'm gonna match those two.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm gonna marry those two in, and I think more especially with manifestation because I know again that you guys are big on it. The more that I can marry me and that person that I think I want to be in the future into this yeah. moment, and it becomes something that I'm actually am. Yeah, and then it's easy for me to see. Hey, I'm not this because hmm, there's this thing that I'm doing. That's not a line. That's not That's not part of this person that I am now. Not that I'm becoming. The word becoming, I think, is one that we get lost in, but it's like, even though it's very difficult to do, and yes, it does take a level of like, you have to let go of the outside world. And Joseph right. Murphy, the power of your subconscious mind, was huge on this. And so is yeah, Neville, Neville Goddard. Yeah, Neville
1: Goddard, yeah. Uh, another one. Love Neville. Just,
2: we didn't even talk about Neville. I've studied so much of his work. It's brilliant. Brilliant, man. So, you're saying the same thing. You have to let go of your outer environment in order to step into who you are and you're just doing that to another level that people aren't willing to do. And it Mm. seems as though things will happen Mm, when you do
0: that. Law of assumption. So, there it is. There it is, folks. What about being unconditional? unconditionally acting as if who you want to be. Wow, thank you, Nick. This was like three hours. Wild. Let's you are go. Our longest yeah. pod to date, so by, by far, f- I'm pretty yeah, sure it's I, double. I didn't even feel that time. Like, I only know because I only know <laughs> just because went, the recording just conked out for a second, and now my computer's about to die, and <laughs> I didn't think I was going to need my charger. But <laughs>
2: hey, sometimes when you have good conversations, I think it just starts to you start to really get into a rhythm. And I think you notice when it naturally came to a, it comes to an end. I don't know if you guys as hosts have noticed that, but yeah, like, there'll be that like, kind of that moment. But I felt like today we just kept going, it just kept going. You
0: know, <laughs> I didn't want that moment to come. <laughs> Which I, I, I didn't liked. want that moment to come. Yeah. But um, thank Same. you so yeah. much for bringing us your your wisdom, your light, your research, and um, your opinions. Right? Because at the end, at mm. the end of the day, we're just three people um, from Earth, you know, sharing our opinions. Are, we, are from we from Earth? <laughs> Depending on who <laughs> you where ask. Where are we from? Totally. <laughs> Regardless of where, you right, know, you're from Michigan. Thing, you know, Gina was originally born in Edmonton. I'm from Tennessee. And now we're all here on the cloud. But um, it's just been it's just been incredible being able to share this information and just ex- exchange energy, really. Um, it's, it's made me mm-hmm. – it's put me into a higher vibration. I hope listeners feel the same way. And yes. um, I hope you keep doing everything that you've been doing because it's been – It's been vibrational, vibrational, um, vibrationally effective. (laughs) It's
1: like vibrationally nutritious, I feel.
2: (laughs) I'm glad we could provide that for you today here on the Spiraling
1: Higher Studio. Yeah.
2: The Spiraling Higher podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you aren't subscribed, please subscribe to the Spiraling Higher Studio. Are we on YouTube? I don't even know if we're on YouTube. If we're not on YouTube, we're gonna get them on YouTube soon. I will convince them if you are on an audio platform. Follow the podcast. Like the podcast. Give a nice five-star review to our friends here because, you know, they've been working hard. Yes. You know, they, they have some amazing episodes. Check out other episodes.
0: Thank you, Nick.
2: <laughs> and I just did that for you. I just did the outro for you.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Thanks for having
2: me on. It was great. Um, yeah, I think a really beneficial conversation, anyone listening, and I hope you got some benefit from oh, we it. we
0: absolutely did. If absolutely. You want to find
2: me? I'll be N-I-C-K dot Z-E-I, Nick Zai, all major platforms. You can check out my book. Yes, 10 Secrets of Awakening.
0: We'll make sure to link it in the description. And uh, we'll make sure they get their links to… I think you have a link in even your podcast description where it's like the link to everything. I'll make sure that's in there. Yeah, link tree. So you guys can devour more of Nick's content. But for now, onwards and upwards. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean
1: the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests.
0: And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet
1: your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like minded people on their healing journey.
0: Here's to spiraling higher.